Live. I have an excellent show in store for you today. George is napping by a roaring fire, thinking about his uh, his testicles. He's dreaming about licking himself, which is going to be very unnerving and shocking. Um, Wobbly Bear has done it again, made a big bear weep. Wobbly Bear, for the last three years, has made a montage of the Smith family. Kyneton, will you send me the original one? I think it was from 2017 by Benny from Seattle. Uh, Cod, email me the original one if you can. But Wobbly Bear has picked up the torch, and I cannot get enough of consistency in this world. And she has been very, very consistent and very awesome in this community. And the fact that she compiled all these memories um, for the past year and put it to this beautiful song that was originally uh, this one guy out of nowhere just made this montage of me and my family. And Wobbly Bears picked up the torch. And, uh, Cobb, will you email that to me, please? Thank you. Uh, to build a home. Or, oh, is that 2019? Okay, so she's done 2020, 21, and now 22. So before we invite uh, Topher in, I think he'll be here at 1015, I'm going to play you guys this montage of the Year of the Beautiful, 2022, the Year of the Beautiful. And it sure as hell was beautiful. And 2023, we've named the Year of the Harvest, but I... I don't know, there's a couple other ideas too. The year of the bear is solid. Uh, is my audio too high? Hang on. And also the year of the coolness. I know that sounds odd, but as they say, out of the mouths of babes, my six-year-old just out of nowhere said, it's the year of the coolness. And I like that. Harvest does sound a little menacing. Every time I tell that to somebody, they're like, am I being harvested? You know, it's not good for truthers mentally to say uh, year of the harvest. They, uh, if, they always think it's about their soul or something. It's like been very jarring. So, you know, it's only January 4th. We can do a quick pivot. And so let's change it to 2023, the year of the coolness. You know, it's the year to act very cool. The year of the willing, sound sexual. Uh, it's not as easy as it sounds to name a year. The year of the coolness sounds weird, but it's great. The year of the harvest, every mildly schizophrenic truther I've ever... The year of the legends, says Anchor Bear. That's a good one. The harvest has been causing people a lot of mental pain. I think it's perfect, but I'm not going to uh, discount people's authentic reaction. When I say it's the year of the harvest, dude, most people are just like, Is that me? Am I going to be harvested? Oh my God, New World Order. I'm like, no, no, you get to harvest. And they're like... But I don't grow anything. I'm like, okay, so this has all been very bad. Year of the coolness, we do need to keep our cool. Perfect, Borber. The year of coolness. The year of the coolness. We got to keep our cool. All right, so as you guys roll in, before I talk to uh, the great Christopher Gardner, thank you again, Wobbly Bear, and we have offered to uh, host her and Hometown Bear's wedding, whenever that will be at the Ozark um, at the Ozark Lands, the Ozark Legacy Lands, or Ursa Rio, if they choose to do that as well. So Ursa Rio or Ozarks, whatever is more convenient for them. I think Ursa Rio may be uh, closer to hometown because it's closer to Canada. So, you know, we could do that too. 
That's the beauty about crowdfunding land, guys. We can host weddings. And uh, it's a great way to start a life together without debt. Um, okay, so anyway, here we go. Let's enjoy. And thank you again, Wobbly Bear. God bless you in hometown. brother can you hear me yeah gardener we'll get right to you right now we're watching a montage awesome Held on his tight 
dig, Ma? What do you think, Charlie? Oh, no, I'm vegan. <laughs> I'm not vegan, Jack. Oh, All right, guys, that was the great Wobbly Bear. Yeah, let me uh, get Gardner in here. Gardner's in here. That was the great Wobbly Bear just put together that whole montage, and it was beautiful. That's why I'm, like, not clicking with a lot of the doom and gloomers because I'm, like, name the year and do it. So 2023, the year of the bear, the year of coolness. I think the theme should be <laughs> potentially just being very cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that uh, that montage, I mean, in this last year, we we kind of lived out that song. Like, that that one note playing, like, bing, bing, bing. That kind of, like, resonates with my thing about... Uh, about your mother's heartbeat being the first song you hear and how it's just like that constant rhythm. And we built a house with stone and, you know, and the gusts came around to blow me down. I held out like that. We literally lived the song. And that's why I just won't be bummed out. Like no matter what white paper some asshole sends me, I'm just like, fuck off, you know? Right. So welcome. It's good to be here. Thanks for coming. Are you talking to me or to your your peeps? To you. (laughs) <laughs> it's good to see you, man. Yeah, you too. Happy New Year. <laughs> Happy New Year. So what do you think the theme this year should be? At first it was the year of the harvest. I named it. It was written, so shall it be. But everybody yeah. I say that to that's mildly trutherish spirals. They're like, am I the harvest? So I'm trying to come up with another one because it's still the first week of January. So we haven't put it actually into stone yet. So we're You thinking- said it Monday. You said it Monday. It's discernment. Discernment. There it is. The year of discernment. Yeah. Okay, there it is. Yeah. And, and another in a theme lot of is ways, coolness. In, yeah. yeah. In a lot of ways, discernment and the apocalypse are the same thing. Yes. I like discernment. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, I love your 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 streams. Like, you know my preference. I always tell you my preference is what you like. Oh, I don't really have anything to talk about. <laughs> Like last week you had one of those and it was like four hours long and it was awesome. You just kept like, you're like, I got to land the plane and it just kept going. I was riding it. And then Monday you're like, you you came in, but you kept saying that you were going to end, but you just kept coming with it. And it's because it's so important. Discernment is really what, what, from my perspective, makes somebody go from being a child to being an adult. Yeah. Yeah, discernment's yeah. big. And then, but with an underlying theme of coolness, like just being very cool. I think it, it'd be really fun if we just keep asking ourselves, is this cool? Are you being cool right now? Because like so much 90s knowledge has been lost. Like in the 90s, people like things that were cool. Like, is that cool? Now it's like, is it going to make me squirt or anger? Or, you know, they're like so addicted to these mind chemicals that it's all about, you know, row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Life is but a dream, you know? Well, you know, discernment goes hand in hand with, you know, something that my wife was teaching me when I first met her. Because when I first met her, I had this, like, I had my old podcast. My my old podcast was just like, you know, I was beaten in heads, right? And she's like, you can't be that way around my parents. And I'm like, no, I got to be myself. You know, I was like screaming at the mood. She's like, you have no credibility with them. If if you come at them with this emotional state or you come at them, you know, I, th- these are my words, beating them over the head with the club of truth, they're just going to toss you out there. You have no credibility in their eyes. And so discernment and credibility go hand in hand. Like you have to have 
the capacity to see your emotions and not be ruled by them. Yes. Like when you when you have an emotional trigger, recognize I have an emotional trigger, but I am not my emotions. I am not my thoughts. I'm not my experiences. These are just things that are happening to me. And then have the discernment to choose from that point. I just had a funny image, right? I meet a Jew and I'm like, I just want you to know I have an emotional trigger of Jews. <laughs> but I know it's just emotions. I know you're a man. I'm a man. We can get along great. I've been friends with Jews, but I want you to know that I'm emotionally triggered by you. And I know you didn't start the Federal Reserve or Tava Pharmaceuticals <laughs> or you're not the Sackler family. But I do feel something now that we're going to get past with my discernment. <laughs> hey man, that's gross. What, that would, what, would, what would someone do if I said that? It's like, listen. You know, with the Jews, they would be like, oh, you know, you just, you just triggered me with the 18 psychologists I have in my family. Right? Dude, Jews are starting to like love me. It's getting really odd. Like I'm starting to get so many like uh, emails and letter and uh, DMs from Jews and I'm getting the vibe that they feel I understand them. And they, and I guarantee the same people two years ago would be like, he's a monster. He should be killed. You know, and now they're like, oh. Because I think they're starting to see actual hate. And they can contrast that with me, you know? Well, you're much more emotionally, you know, your emotional body is actually much more contained now. When you were first coming out, at least when I became aware of you like four or five years ago. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your totally. emotional body was like hidden. And yeah. only like that would make the gammas and the Jews just go nuts. Yeah. But now you're like, you're, you're contained. That's a good like, way to put it. You still come with it, but you don't, you don't, you're not projecting fury. Yeah. Like I still see them the same way. <laughs> but I'm just like, but now, but I never hated them. I just had that. Emo I see when you're in the pit, almost like uh, John Wick getting out with everybody's yeah. gun pointed at you, kind of like you when you're in D1 football. It's like your instincts, your instincts, your emotions, they're like swimming out here. And then, yeah. you know, I got out of the pit. And that's why a lot of people are loyal to me is because I showed like courage and resilience and all that. But once I got out of being cornered against a wall, I can bring it in, you know, and it's not yeah. so exposed because everybody has an internal world that if it was projected would scare people. And yeah, so, uh, yeah. And so, and a lot of people have never been challenged by the forces that I was challenged by or gone through the looking glass. So their internal world isn't projected out. And if it was, it would terrify the fuck out of people. And so, yeah, it's an interesting observation that I'm more contained now. You're much more contained. And a bunch of your, a bunch of people that I know ha that had been your detractors, I'm like, I explained that exact situation. I'm like a cornered animal. You witnessed him when he was vulnerable. We all act irrational. Like we all have this hyper emotional state when we get cornered like that. You look at him now, like, actually be objective and listen to what he has to say now and see how you react. And to the one of them, they're all like, Oh, he's like, he's better. Like he, he's, he's like, I can listen to him. Yeah. And then I would slip were, in. Were, I'd be you like were triggering. <laughs> you were triggering a lot of people's emotional body, man. You were like <laughs> one after another, after another. Yeah. 
But then I would also throw in, I would be like, yeah, I'm more contained now. And I was right about all of it, though. Because yeah. if, if you make a list, because Coddington did a, a tweet uh, on my behalf. Let me read what he said. But I was acting like an asshole. I didn't have credibility. I get it. I get the point you're making about that, where it's like, uh, I was, you know, are you with me or against me screaming at the moon? Uh, Cod said, some advice to normies. Before you're all in on something, quickly reference if Owen Benjamin had something on social media removed or was swarmed with pushback when he was warning you about it. It might keep you healthy, out of prison, or at minimum looking stupid for years. So he said, 2017, child hormone blockers equals abuse. 2018, political human shields are created to push agendas with zero resistance. Me too, guns, etc. 2019, Epstein, Weinstein, Sacklers hide behind anti-Semitism. 2020, don't lock down or vaccinate. 2021, don't go to Capitol events, they're traps. 2022, tape being arrested. So it's like, if you're, my detractors, who I will be asking for a list when the stream is over, <laughs> if, my de- <laughs> if my detractors, uh, I, I get that I was, my emotional state was triggering people. And I understand that because that's one thing that Vox always had that I didn't have is he could talk calmly. Um, if they just look at the content, though, it really isn't bad at all. I was never calling for the death of Jews or anything. I was weeping. You know, I was in, I was like weeping for my dead friend who died of fentanyl after he came back from Afghanistan and we drank by a fire for a year and he screamed at the moon and was, you know, and then I found out about APAC and weapons of mass destruction, the moon landing, 9-11, all this. And I'm like, these people got to go, you know? And so, and I left a lot out. Yeah, I was... You know, but I do get what you're saying about the emotional state because I would look into the computer screen as if I'm going to kill people, but I wasn't. Yeah. But I, but I well, was fierce. That this is the thing, and and part of what endeared me to you immediately was your your breakdown of Coldplay stuff and how it's all the same song and it's appealing to that one emotional part that everyone yeah. has. Yeah. And so, like. The um, the emotionality of like your emotional awareness, even though you were lashing out, was so high. But what I've noticed in my life as a as a massage therapist is women do not give a fuck about what you say; they yeah. care about how you say it. Exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's the exact opposite of the male mind. The male mind is like, I don't care how you say anything. What, what's the meat of it? Like, you know, give me, give me the cliff notes. And so I tried to explain that to a few people and they, they just, cause they get that power, that energy that's coming off. That's emotional triggers their emotional body. And they don't recognize that they're feeling uncomfort and discomfort just because they feel unsafe. Are they yeah. are all are that list of detractors that you're compiling? Are they all gay? Well, if they're all, I mean, there the majority of them are women. I'd say <laughs> there's only been there hasn't been many. There's been five. Four of them are women. One of them's a man. Is the man a homosexual? No, but he's a Jew. Same thing. Does the Jew like me now, though? Dude, Jews are starting to get it because they think I have the secrets to get them out of what's coming to them because they actually see now I don't hate them. It's, it's like a fascinating ride. Is the Jew starting to want to be like my little brother? 
I don't know. I'd have to ask. The thing is, you produce so much content that it's very hard for people to, you know, catch up to your latest stuff. So I'm always like, uh, I'm a, I'm a novelty fallacy guy. I'm always like, you know, pushing the new, the new stuff on people. And uh, so I don't think they've caught up to where I'm at with you. You know, uh, not, I would say non-bears. I don't think most non-bears understand your corpus of Titanic <laughs> production. So, you know, they get they get like a little snippet here and there and stuff like that. And the funny thing is, is like you've created a whole lexicon of of like a whole vocabulary and stuff like that. So if you're not in on the joke, you know, all of us bears, we find it really funny. Yeah. But... Like new new people that are coming in, it takes a little while for them to like get you know get used to the the temperature of those waters. As it should, like Tolkien yes. created languages. I mean, it's like a lot of the people that people look up to, they would have had the same criticism for them that they do me. They're like, you know, you, you've written too many. But like, imagine Tolkien's body of work, just right. the insane amount of effort and pages and creation. Like he created Middle Earth, you know, he created whole languages, whole, you know, backstory religions and kingdoms and all this stuff. And so, you know, uh, I don't mind if if some of these guys have a hard time entering the community because it keeps a lot of uh, low grade assholes out. You know, if they're if they can't handle it, then I uh, one thing to do is recommend they go to OwenBenjamin.com because I have highlighted uh, streams like streams that that bears will send me and say I could send this to my mom and she really liked it. I take a mm-hmm. note and I just have put those on. That I just put the Dr. Shiva one on there too because Great. because he can bridge the science gap for people. You know he's like kind of normal when it comes to his education from MIT and all that. So when we're talking gravy, it's like the normal person that thinks that the colleges are filled with smart people could could uh, you know make that jump. Yeah, that was a great interview, by the way. Thanks. Yeah, he's hilarious. He, I've never he met him. He, he's the first person I've ever met that may hate grifters more than me. I, I could tell. I mean, he dropped more F-bombs than I've ever heard you drop. He hates <laughs> grifters, like hates them. <laughs> like, because he's, he, he's just a very honor-based guy. And he's like, they take the credit and then they profit from them, from it. And they try to gaslight uh, anyone who goes against that. And it's like, like, for example, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. lied about Shiva and said that he used to own a vaccine company. Shiva's trying to sue him. Kennedy won't accept the serve. Like, he's been served and Kennedy just won't take it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just a bunch of scumbags, these, these grifters, man. They're like, you know, he calls him fucker Carlson. He's just, I, I've kind of let go my anger at grifters, but I do enjoy revealing them to people. Where he's from in India, dude, you have to have your head on a swivel, bro. Yeah, 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 totally. That's why when people say, like, aren't you scared? Sam Tripoli is like, dude, bro, aren't you scared they're going to come for you? He's like, dude, I'm from a low caste in India. Like, so, what what he's dealing with here, like, what me and you and all these people are dealing with as far it's as nothing. Op- is nothing. Like, in yeah. India, like, uh, I, I listened to Paul from Pockets of the Future talk about... Uh, his journey series, I call it as the ashram turns. Cause it's just so dramatic. And, yeah. uh, like Dodgy, then the current master of the heartfulness meditation, uh, the last one was chargy. And they, they talk as if it's no big deal that Dodgy was going to murder chargy. 
Like he was in a car going to find Chargy to shoot him. Couldn't find his house. Thought it was divine intervention and then didn't kill him. And I'm like, he was going to kill him? <laughs> like no one cares. Sounds like Paul. What's Sounds that? Sounds like your boy Paul. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul the Apostle. <laughs> yeah, but it's like that murderous. Like in India, you could be stabbed and robbed at any moment of the day, you know? Yeah, there's so much competition there. Like, there's like literally no way to keep anything under wraps. So I could just imagine if he had something that he felt was, you know, endemic to him and somebody takes it from him, that's like, I mean, that's the difference between eating or not there. Exactly. Like in America, someone steals your bike, you aggressively describe the criminal, everyone freaks out. Oh, just get another bike, fiat currency. In India, someone takes your bike, you might not be able to get to work. You might die, you know? Exactly. And so you're screaming at that shit. The four yeah, women it, that were detractors, are they married to cucks? No. Lesbians? No. But they're all, I mean, when I say this, like, take it, know that I, I'm coming from a space that there's, like, literally I've only met two non-wounded people. All, every every detractor was wounded. Do, are they, do they now see that I can heal? <laughs> <laughs> I I can say a few of them have definitely that I've talked to you about it. They're like they're they're coming around. They're they're liking your recent stuff. Good. And then once they really come around, they'll go back in the archives at unauthorized.tv and it'll blow their fucking minds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, all of them, I tried to, like, point out your your comedy. Like, nobody can watch your relationship stuff or watch any of the things that you did musically, like with Coldplay and all that stuff, and think that you don't know what you're talking about. Like, have, the level yeah. of observational intelligence and all that is just, like, it's astounding. Yeah, I have credibility. And I was also right about the Jays. Oh, and I also want to read um, another thing you can send uh, people is app.bertariatimes.com. Let me just quickly read a, a review uh, that we had yesterday that I even posted because it was just so beautiful. It's exactly what we had in mind. He said, hey, BB, I don't know if it's appropriate, but I would just like to say thank you for the Bertari Times app. That's app.bertariatimes.com or wherever you get apps. I've been spending a lot of time lately reading the comments section on Telegram and started getting frustrated with the unconstructive, ill-informed bickering that has been taking place. This has happened to me in the past. I usually just take a break from it all and focus on work, family, crushing. This time around, I remembered my Bertaria Times app. It is like a breath of fresh air. You realize that the dudes in the comments are not what it is all about and find like-minded people still crushing silently in the background. I'm not a huge fan of tech, but the concept behind the BT app is a work of art. And so I wrote app.retiretimes.com, get it, it's a game changer. And then a gamma popped in. It was a really funny exchange. I even left the gamma because I wanted everyone to enjoy how terrible he was. He said, no offense, Owen. However, I'd, I'd rather build community in person than in, but bear in mind, most of the comments were like, yeah, I found a wife there. I found a husband. I've started, like people love the app. It really is like a beautiful thing in this mess. And I don't highlight it enough for some reason, but it's one of my greatest accomplishments. And it wasn't even me. It was a team effort. Um, it was one. Of, and a lot of the people that are responsible for it don't even want any credit. And it's just, it's a community based thing. Everybody who signed up for it deserves credit because it was a, 
we just jumped into the wilderness and, and discovered how to build an app. But anyway, this this uh, this gamma exchange is hilarious. By the way, all all the uh, wounded detractors would like the app if they want to see a place where they won't be triggered, you know. So he said, no offense, Owen, I'd rather build community in person rather than an app. Your printed media sounds intriguing. Thank you. So I wrote, no one cares what you prefer. Keep it up and you'll be banned for life. And then he said, laughing my ass off, enough for you to comment, faggot. Enjoy your own approved censorship, bears. And then I wrote, the gamma male laughs his ass off alone. And I said, no one wants people like you anywhere. They ask me to censor gammas because your type is universally hated. We don't want you anywhere near us. And then the gamma says, oh, no. Then I said, I won't even ban you. I want to watch you absolutely spiral on a guy you follow on Telegram for literally no logical reason. You and Scott Adams should be best friends. And then the gamma says, um... Where's the gamma? Oh, he said, Owen, you and your followers. And then we'll get to something interesting. This is just super funny to me. Mm -hmm. And now that I've read it, I'm just going to ban him for life. I just wanted the entertainment to be out there. Owen, you and your followers can name call and say I would be terrible to have around dot, dot, dot. It's fine. (laughs) Hey, it's great that you're doing something that some people enjoy. I gave you an opposing opinion and you took my comment with offense like a cocksucker. Not surprised. Learn some humility, Owen. Take care. And so I wrote, we've asked you to leave, yet you're still complaining. Aren't you supposed to be out making a community in real life? I always like to go all the way back to the first comment when I'm talking to a gamma. Yet here you are in Telegram embarrassing yourself again. And now we ban him for life now that we've enjoyed the comedy. And so I just wanted to highlight that if you want to go to a place where those people don't exist and can't talk like that, uh, check out app.bertaritimes.com and really enjoy it. Because what he did, because what the Gamma Mail does, and then I'll highlight Scott Adams real quick, is they say a shitty thing. Like, we accomplish more than Donald Trump or anybody else that complained about social media because we actually made an alternative. And he said, you know, not for me. I'm more into the real world type thing, which is a Gamma lie. And then they give you a compliment to make it so that if you say anything back to them, they act like a victim. So here's... Scott Adams, and then we'll talk about interesting things, how it started. So Scott Adams says, I'm no virologist, but a vaccine that is 100% effective, has no safety concerns, and is relatively easy to store. Sounds like good news to me and how it's going. Fake news. I was never wrong about vaccines, never promoted them, never trusted them, made the same decisions as Dr. Malone and inventor of the tech. So then the hilarious Ben Garrison Uh, made a cartoon called Ilbert by Clot Adams. And as you can see here, it says, Obey science, I must obey science. His ex-wife has a picture on the wall, which is a hilarious little dig. And then you anti-vaxxers were right accidentally. You're still stupid. Okay, and now this is where it's at. Now, Scott Adams is suing Ben Garrison. He said, see the link in my profile to understand how this depiction is opposite uh, my often stated opinions that makes it not parody. Given today's political environment, the impact of this comic's lie is similar in impact to publicly labeling someone a racist, a Holocaust denier, or a pedophile. So now being pro-vaccine is comparable to being a pedophile. As someone who's been accused of being a racist and a Holocaust denier, I think those are great. But but compare uh, questioning a historical event from 85 years ago in a country you've never been to to molesting children is fucking crazy. 
So that's the mind of a gamma male. The gamma male is never wrong. The gamma male is in a delusion bubble. The gamma male has to, the secret king has to constantly nip at the ankles of higher ranking men. And then when we uh, confront them and kick them out, they scream and cry and go to Reddit and try and get the FBI to come to your house. And then it's, it's like, it's un, 2023, the year of discernment, is not going to be a great year for the gamma male. I think they're no. completely fucked. I agree. Okay, so what gravy do you want to talk about? I have one topic I want to talk about at some point. Well, first, I, also want, I want to talk about how Missouri's going. Then I also want to talk about human sex trafficking and why I've been going at Andrew Tate, because you have experience in that, not as a human sex trafficker, but someone who has healed them. And because uh, some people don't seem to understand why I'm hammering this so much. And it's because I don't want to normalize sex trafficking. It's still illegal. It's still bad. If people say what Andrew Tate is doing is masculinity, that that descends our entire society to an even lower realm. Yeah. And I applaud you for that. Like you're you're really doing the good work on, in that regard. Thank you. Uh, Missouri is awesome. Like it is. I yesterday. You know, because my life, the last year, well, the last two years, well, the last three years since COVID has been like one huge change after another, after another, after another. And yesterday I, I was I was cutting down some firewood and I was on my farm and I finally felt, you know, the, the rest that occurs in the body when you know you're really home. Oh, love that rest. Yeah, and I I haven't felt that in three years. Like, I haven't known I'm home. You know, I knew it intellectually, but it hit my body yesterday. So I slept awesome last night. Um, It's wonderful. We got got a couple dome projects that are coming up here. I'm still planning and designing things for my project down in Costa Rica. Uh, we got, we had everything get approved and, you know, the city signed off on everything down there. So I still, that's pretty much my full-time work right now, but I'm starting the design process for two new clients in Missouri and uh, Ozark Legacy. They have a couple equipment um, things that have come through in the last month. So we'll be able to do we'll be able to start our dream house. And I'm really excited about um, the, the Gardenian dream house. <laughs> the Gardenians, I love it. <laughs> Dude, do you think there's some gravy in the word home being so close to ohm? Yes. I think so too. Yes, in heart and hearth. There's something with the, 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 the heart and hearth that uh, is always resonated with me yeah because hearth is heart and earth together right isn't that fast yeah because home that that word like in the beginning we played that montage that uh it's called to build a home and just that that thought of feeling like you're home there's no place like home is uh is an incredible feeling yeah. uh so i'm all so glad you get to feel that rock ballad songs i love the most they all had home in it yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like Motley Crue, you know, I'm on my way. Like all those indie rock ballad songs. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, what up? <laughs> I was in Costa Rica <laughs> and didn't feel much like home. 
I went to the middle of America and I built like 33 domes. 33! Uh, <laughs> I'm on my way. Yeah, oh, home is man, great. Rocks to this day. Dude, Molly Crew crushes. I mean, that, yes. when you look back at Molly Crew, you're like, oh, everybody's had a tranny thing going on. <laughs> like, if you look at those pictures of, like, Warrant and, like, Poison, look what the cat dragged in, and they're, they're literally trannies going. They really are. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. The song's crushed, but they were so feminine and skinny and leather-bound and hairspray and all that shit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I only had I only had respect for those guys when Tommy Lee had his thing with Pamela Anderson because I was a huge Pamela Anderson fan. Nice. As so I was like, oh, that guy crushes. But that was pretty much the 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 uh, the height of my idolship when I was a teen. Yeah, just Tommy Lee and his like weird cock. Um, what do you want to talk about today? I know you always usually have a topic that you want to get into that it will blow people's minds. So what's today's topic? Bro, I am wigging out on the the prehistory. I can't even call it prehistory, but there is a researcher out of Florida. He goes by the the anagram. I don't know what it is, a pseudonym, uh, Doctor Narco Longo, and he is jumping into all the artifacts that are being found in Florida and. Um, essentially what he's, he's reframing the context, the, 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 the pre, let's say the pre Jesus context of the United States of the, of the Americas as this actually being an extension of the Phoenician empire. And the way he discusses it, the way he talks about it is, is that the whole Gulf of Mexico, including Mexico and Cuba, that's the real cue. That's like the real fertile crescent. Yeah. Because he talks about there's a few rivers that, like the Mississippi, and then there's another river in Florida that are the only rivers in the world that actually fit the description of the the rivers in the Bible. Yeah, the Tigris and the Euphrates. Yeah, I've thought that for right. a while. Yeah. And so he, he, he points out, well, I got into his work mainly because he was talking about all these anomalies that I was aware of growing up in Florida. Like he talks about these huge stone um, anchors. And when I was growing up, I, I would see these anchors here and there down in Miami, but like up in Tampa where he's at and stuff. They were everywhere. And like my dad was a contractor, so he would make comments like, you know how heavy that is? Like he would just say like little tidbits. What do you think? Was was it for airships? What's that? Was it airship anchors, you think? No. Well, you'll love this. He's really big on the whole giants thing. Like he talks about the the Timiqua and the Seminole Indians. Um, The last time that they actually did average heights. The Tamiqua were all seven foot tall. And then um, the Seminoles, like in the, in the turn of the 20th century, the, they were on average six foot four, six foot five. They were all big men. And like his, I'm not going to do it any justice by, by going in. I'm going to have him on my podcast. But like the whole thing that he gets into is he's reframing the diaspora that occurred during Noah's during the, what people call Noah's flood. 
And what he's saying is, he he theorizes that the flood actually wiped out a very advanced civilization. And the way we describe it in our modern lexicon has to do with Atlantis. We talk about Atlantis all the time. And so I followed Steve Falconer's work a lot around Atlantis and, you know, growing up on the Atlantic Ocean and fishing in it, you know, as much as I did. Like, you know, there you always heard little things. And I just love that all these, he's bringing up all these different, little historical sites that were in, in my life as a child. Like I always wondered, like going down, when you go down to certain parts of Miami, you'll go into these buildings, you'll see an ultra modern building, and then you'll see a building that's called art deco. And the art deco building makes no sense. It's built like a building that should be in the desert. Like, it doesn't have any roof with a pitch on it. Like, we're in the tropics. Yeah. You know, I mean, Florida's in the neotropics. But, like, you have to deal with a lot of rain. And there's all these Moorish-type buildings. So he talks about, like, what we call the Moors, like Amorica, America. And um, this reminded me a lot of the information that I heard from a, a few Jews that I knew that were studying... They were actually studying the um, the Mormon Church, and the the Mormon Church talks about Nehi and Lehi, or I forget which tribes came over to North America, and were part of the whole North American development well before the Colones, you know, Columbus came over, and you know, in 1492, you know, so we know that that history is you know pretty much dog shit. Yeah. And the beautiful thing I love about it is, one, it annihilates the out-of-Africa theory. Yeah, total horseshit. Yeah. And it makes, you know, a lot of the astrology and a lot of the, 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 the luminary lore that I like to follow is, has much more to do with the pole star, with Polaris. And it talks about how the Phoenicians, like, essentially came down from modern-day Finland and they populated, but the Phoenicians were a worldwide seafaring trading organization that was highly skilled. Because some of these pictures that are on his site are amazing. Like when you see some of these, uh, you know, Native Americans, these Indians in the United States in the 1800s with their pictures, they, they have they don't look like the Asian, the Asiatic ones that are always depicted in Hollywood. They're no. like you know, green or blue eyed, tall, huge men. And then I read, uh, I read a book 12 or 13 years ago that talked about a tribe of Native Americans in central Texas, all the way down into Mexico, where they were barefoot, and they ran everywhere. They still are there. They're still doing that. Yeah, yeah. And they were huge, huge men And there. And the book was awesome, because it got into their rites of passage. And I actually have a really good friend of mine who's a shaman who his coach did a bunch of these like these practices with their basketball team. And they were like state championship like they they won everything. And he would say like, you know, they would play more athletic, more like, you know, let's just say uh, darker complexion teams. And they were mostly white guys, but they would run those guys out of the house just because they had this extra thing going on. 
and they were all uber athletic because they were doing all these like essentially Native American training rituals. So I'm kind of amalgamating all this in my mind and I, I'm getting ready for my interview with him because uh, I like, dude, we would go like, so if you're down in Fort Lauderdale, the A1A, which is the road that goes right down the coast there in, in lower Florida, it's like it's due, it's due north south. We would go to this one point on A1A and go three miles due east or no, eight miles due east off of that out into the ocean and we would go fishing off this point. We called it Jurassic Park. <laughs> like everybody knew it was Jurassic Park because you would put your lines out. You'd be running your lines out there and something would hit your line and no one could pull it up. Whoa. And it was consistent. And like the largest, you'll, you'll get a kick out of this. The largest Jewfish, the largest grouper in the world was caught out there. They call it a Jewfish. <laughs> it's this big fat grouper fish. It's like a thousand, a thousand pounds. Jesus, um, all come. <laughs> but like the, there's just all these little anomalies that he's kind of connecting for me, and it it kind of gives me resolution to Florida. You know? It, yeah, I think Florida. Me. I think I I agree with it. I can't prove it. This is when I'm trying to get more uh, more disciplined about. What I know, like when I'm pointing out what's hiding in plain sight that some people can't see and what my instincts tell me or what a pattern suggests. And for me, a pattern suggests and my instincts tell me that America has a biblical history. Like there is something it, like obviously our the history we've been taught is bullshit. But, you know, I think the Mormons do have some gravy on that when it comes to because they claim Jesus was in uh, was in Missouri and people just laugh them. They just laugh at them and say, how dare you? No, it's all Israel. It's only Israel. And Israel, you know, just the simple questions like, where did they get the, the wood to build the cross? Like, there's not really trees there. Israel's like a dump. Like, it's not, it's not a nice place. It's not like the Fertile Crescent is Iraq. Like, no. I mean, Iraq's, I've been to Iraq. It's a fucking desert. It sucks. You go down, you go to, uh, you know, the Gulf of Mexico, you look at the Missouri River and the Mississippi River, you look at how the Mormons have named areas like Mount Pisgah and all this shit, and you're like, oh, this could definitely be a place where a lot of those events took place. And then you look at the ancient architecture in America and all that, and yeah, I, I agree. And then if you, even mainstream history has a massive amount of implied Phoenician gravy. Like if you listen to uh, hardcore history with uh, what's his name, really good historian. I I always really liked him. Uh, I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. I he's he's a legend. It's called Hardcore History with something. In the, the chat I heard him on Rogan. Who? Back in the day, I heard him on Rogan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Him. He breaks down history quite well. If you want to get a mainstream history education that is way better than a college. Just listen to all of the hardcore history ones. Granted, you know, a lot of it's, in my opinion, bullshit and gravelled, but that's what the mainstream says. And in the, in the Bronze Age, oh, Dan Carlin, yeah. In the Bronze Age episode, it talks about boat, boat people. So in ancient, in ancient descriptions of, you know, uh, all kinds of civilizations and empires, they would refer to the boat people that would come and fucking kill everybody and leave. 
And right. there, and those, I believe those are the Phoenicians. And I, and they were so unbelievably advanced that you could have the, um, Assyrian empire, not Syria, Assyrian empire <clears throat> that ruled for like 1800 years, you know, this epic, brutal empire. And when the Phoenicians had land, everyone's dead. Like they fucking killed everybody. And so when you think about a seafaring people that are that advanced, uh, you know, because even the Vikings wouldn't have been capable of that. It, it was like a different level. And they were, yeah, and they were depicted as massive. And so then you think Viking, but then you also think like, well, there's a lot more, there's a lot more Viking history. And typically that isn't what would happen. The Vikings wouldn't come in on their fucking rowboats and be able to kill everybody. I think that that was the Phoenicians. And I think they were coming out of the, what's now called America. Uh, and then I think that, yeah, I think there was a great, I don't know, this is all con, uh, speculation, but great flood sent them back to, you know, the quote unquote Indians that were conquered. I think the Vatican sent out a papal bull. This, I'm way out there in gravy land right now, but <laughs> I think the Vatican was like, okay, you guys can now go back to America and take it back. Cause there was a, enough of a collapse, but I think that there was probably thousands of years where no one could take the Americas. Like no one could take the Fertile Crescent, you know? Yeah, because he points out, and this is really cool, because all these genetic tests are coming back, right? And I don't, I don't necessarily believe that they can map DNA as well as they say that they can. But the majority of Native Americans have DNA that would be considered European. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So well, yeah. I, I was turned on to, um, you ever listen to Michael Tassarian? No, I try and stay away from Armenians. Why? Go ahead. <laughs> well, Michael Tassarian, like 15 years ago, I got into his work and he had mapped that the majority of the Egyptian pharaohs were red haired and, and green eyed. You know, and so that gets into the whole like, you know, Nephilim or the Edomites, that whole thing. Right. Because who can trust a ginger? Like, let's be real. <laughs> so the he got, got into like the whole like out of the DNA testing that they did in North Africa. Why were all the leaders huge, like big and why were they red hair and green eyed? Well, then you get into looking at the Native Americans, the, the descriptions of the Native Amer the different Indian Indian tribes, especially in the southeast United States from the Spanish conquistadors and the French fur trappers. And then you have to talk about the Louisiana Purchase. I mean, come on. You really think the French gave up all that land for what? You know, how much money did they say that the U.S. government bought it from? 33 like, grand or something, yeah. It was just like... Nothing, <laughs> yeah. So when you listen to their the, the depictions from the people that were actually in the South, they're like, oh, these guys wrestle alligators for fun they're huge they live to be like 120 one chief said that his dad lived to be like 200 years old and the, the fur the the fur trapper that I met him was like he's actually he's a real dude like he's alive and like these were very long-lived people and he he likes to talk about uh the garden of eden and the description of garden of eden and when they say golden apples he's like a lot of people don't know oranges weren't brought to Florida. First, the oranges were taken from Florida to the Middle East, and then they were brought back from the Middle East to Florida. 
a few hundred a few hundred years later. So what's a better description of a golden apple than an orange? That's a good point. And I know I know personally for me, and I mean I'm a Florida I grew up as a Florida boy. You can live off oranges. Like I'm not a frugivore. Like I I eat everything. I'm an omnivore. But like if I get really sick or I need a pick me up, I'll eat a bunch of oranges and I'm I'm back. Yeah, oranges are awesome. Yeah. Lately, I've, been, that, I've, been, I've just been eating a fuckload of meat lately. I've just, I'm trying to go with my uh, the seasons. And so I'm yeah. like, well, what do you... So in the in the morning, I just drink like a cup of raw like cream. And mm-hmm. then I'll eat like uh, steaks and organs. And I'm just nice. eating totally meat. I feel great. I've been running every morning. Feels fucking great. And then, and then the spring, summer, I might, I might go a week at just oranges. But Idaho doesn't have any oranges, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cheat here. I'm gonna build a three-story greenhouse, and I'm gonna have some tropical fruit. Oh, that's great. Yeah, Missouri has a long growing season, huh? Yeah, yeah, much longer than you have. Yeah, our growing season is fucking gay. <laughs> well, you have had such a, but you get all that good cream and milk and all. I mean, oh yeah, we have elk and what's appropriate. You're eating what's appropriate to your area. Yeah, and I think my ancestry would be this area. Like, I think I'm from a cold area. Yeah, and people say I've had some pushback from some Muslims, but people say that uh, Muhammad had a red beard. Yeah, but I don't know, but I've heard Barbarossa. that. What's that? Barbarossa. Yeah, yeah, the red beard. And then also uh, Genghis Khan, if he existed, which I think he did. They say he was green-eyed and his eyes looked like a cat's and it was green and he had red hair. Yeah, and this this dude, he gets into the whole thing about about how the Asians, you know, came across the the eight, like essentially the Mongols came across and what we know of as the Western, like in your area of the United States, Native Americans were more of the Asiatic and they were like the, the, the Mongol, you know, horsemen. Cause the whole notion that Europeans brought horses to the United States only is utter total BS. bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny. It's so funny. Like uh, how bad our history is and it's such a daunting task. So you- can I, can I get to a point with you? Because this is something that's yeah. been, we're talking about discernment, right? Yeah. So I'm all, I love facts and I want to know the truth. But there's something that occurs with storytellers. The reason why a good storyteller, a, 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 somebody that has the capacity to, to weave a, a compelling narrative is so freaking valuable is because a storyteller might not have all the little, you know, specifics correctly, but somehow, some way points your soul to the truth. Yeah. Yeah. Good rhetoric. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'm dealing with a bunch of people on my side. Cause I'm trying to like, now that I started a show, I'm trying to fact check stuff and things like that. And I get yelled at because I'm a storyteller. Yeah. You know, I'm, no, I'm nowhere near at the level of rhetoricist that you are. But there's something like I, I, I loved you from the day where you said, I'm, I might be wrong, but I'm not lying. Yeah. That is, the, that is the signature of the perfect storyteller. Because the intent is to know the truth. 
But we all have to admit that we do not have a correct history. Totally. We've been lied to about everything that has ever been important our entire life. So to be on your high horse, like, I'm not saying you specifically, but but for somebody that considers them an academic or somebody no, no, that's I'm, alerted, For the record, I'm on a high horse. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you need to be on a Clydesdale, dude. I do, totally. But like, come on, there has to be a little leeway. There has to be a permission in which the narrator, the storyteller can weave and, and, and find the groove. It can't always be like, well, this was fact checked and this, 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 yeah, this, yeah, this, yeah. This. You can't do it from something that happened this week. Imagine 1500 right. years ago. Hedge, stop. No, I completely agree. And having kids and having a mother who taught children's lit is, has been a godsend for me with this stuff because a little kid will look at you and say, tell me a story, you know? And then my mother put something, uh, we, we used to do, uh, cut out pictures from magazines and put montages and it said, uh, choose your reality. And it would have like an ocean with crystals next to it or like a rainbow universe, blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, the thing that I, I learned from my mother, and we used to, when I was five, we'd go to the lake and look at rocks and tell a story from one rock. You know, we'd look at a rock and tell the story of the rock and what it is. Was it scales on a dragon? Was the swirl had to do it? You know, and so I'm from a very interesting background when it comes to rhetoric and story. And I realized something along the way when I, when I kind of went away from that and I went towards facts and math and physics and I was obsessed with science and astronomy and pulsars and white dwarves and red giants and 186,000 miles per second 9.82 per second meters per second squared and all this bullshit that the story is really what drives the man and so if that is in our heart uh it's important that's why I push back on people that say oh there's no way the bible's real in any way and blah 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 I'm like when you hear this story does it feel real and that's important because a true story is like our soul DNA and we can identify it when it's real. And real simply means archetypal that will repeat over and over and over again. Like when you tell a child a story, you see how we're designed and we're designed by stories. And, and this is the year of discernment. It is important to understand that science is a story, that politics are a story. There is no real when it comes to that there is a real world i don't think we're in a simulation or anything like that because there's no way to figure out if you are you can't know you're in a cave unless you're outside the cave you know that's my issue i have with certain gnosticism is a fish doesn't know it's wet you can't say outside the simulation we're in a simulation because you're in it if you, so if you are you can't prove it but anyway but the stories of the you know, the boy king and, the you know, his trials and teaching the people and healing the sick and fishing and the prodigal son and the persecution and the forgiveness and all that. You're like, that's true. And, and when I was five years old, my mother wrote this down on a calendar. I still have the calendar. I went for a walk because back then everyone was unsupervised for some reason. And I came home and I just said something and my mom and dad just kind of like were in awe. I said, don't let the facts destroy the knowledge. And I was five and they looked at me and they're like, what the, who the fuck are you? And I'm like, don't let the facts destroy the knowledge. The facts want to destroy the knowledge. 
And I was five. Like I was a completely uneducated child. And I, I could see that back then. And then I lost it. And then I couldn't see it. And then I went to college and I read all the books and I learned all the facts. And I realized that the knowledge is in the story, the power of myth, the power of story. And then, yeah, Aesop's fables, 100% truth, 0% facts. Exactly. And so then people go, yeah, but it's not true. And you're like, but it's true, though. And that's like an interesting conversation because I don't want to be full of shit and just say whatever I think might be, you know, this world was filled with dragons and blah, blah. I could just make shit up. But there are archetypal truths that you can just feel. And that's one reason why I became a more religious person. And that's why I have a feeling that the story of Paul is the story of deception. That's my feeling. That's my thought. That's like when I look at nature, when I look at Paul, when I look at all the experiences I've ever had in my life, I sense something off about it. And I think part of discernment is that. And you might not see that. And that's totally fine. But that's where I'm coming from. I don't know. I can't prove it. Like I, me and Amy once went to this. And I'll stop rambling. Me and Amy once went, tried to go to this church and it was in Gig Harbor and it was like fucking terrible. And one of the main things they kept doing, it was all like this like smiley Jew who became a Christian. And they kept talking about how science can prove the Bible. And these are the two pillars of salt. And that's the tomb. And we have scientific evidence, blah, blah. I'm like, I'm trying to get the fuck away from science. Like, what are you talking about? Are you going to use carbon dating? Are you going to use carbon dating to prove the Shroud of Turin and blah, blah, blah? I'm like, you guys are full of shit. Science is a story. Science is a religion. The scientific method is a great way to test hypothesis. Yes, definitely. But like, the story of dinosaurs and satellites and fucking asteroids and all that, you guys don't know shit. So science is a story. And that feels true to some people, but I think those people typically are on a spinning ball in an infinite void from an explosion from nothing to something. It's a, a religion based on chaos. And I am in a religion that is more based on stable ground, firm and above, you know, that we are made by God through love and that our story has a purpose and we're the protagonists like that, that that's the real fundamentals of the story based living which everyone does is either are you from darkness and chaos and the world has no meaning or are you from a benevolent creator and your every fucking hair on your head and thought and movement of your fingers has meaning and so that's what i think it is and so that's why i relate to you on this where what is the story of our history? Like, what, what do we feel? And the Akashic record, you know, like tapping into that stream of consciousness that swirls around us is so much more valuable than the science that changes every eight days based on funding and who's going to prison for like rape. You know, it's total shit. Yeah. And the credibility comes through, through intention. Yeah. And, you know, I, I did I did end up understanding Mackenzie's point with being I, I had to be presentable from their perspective and they had to see consistent behavior from me and see that I really love their daughter before they would listen to me. Yes. The credibility has always come from the person's intention. And so. I think a storyteller, like like I said earlier, your whole thing with I might I, I might be wrong, but I'm not lying, is the perfect way to to give a character assessment of a true true storyteller. 
Because you have to ask yourself this. When you die, what do you take with you? Is that a question? Oh, you want me to answer? Yeah. That's the, well, that's an interesting question because I don't know in, uh, intention or like love because I don't think you can take much. And I think that's what causes hell is burning away the attachments to this material world. So well, just be, you, you might take something with you, even though you're not attached to it. Like, what do you think we take with us? You take experience. Interesting. That's what, that's why we are narrative based beings. To be human, like the ancient philosophers used to say, to be human is to error. Because they, they know we're going to mess up the facts. You're going to get the facts wrong. Things are You're going to be wrong. And that's the, that's the problem with the gamma. Gamma will never admit when they're wrong. Right. Right? Exactly. But to be a human, to be a human, a man of color, a man of experience is like, oh, you learn from your mistakes, you get better. You do as good as you can, and you might be wrong, but you're not fucking lying. Yes. Authenticity. So what your soul takes, the extraction, what goes up the shishumna is the continuity of the experience minus the lies. That's why we're lied to about everything. We're con- There's contradiction after contradiction after contradiction to sever us from our connection to our creator. Totally. Right? Yeah. Why would they do that? Why is human attention the most valuable commodity in the world? It's the most fucking valuable commodity in the world because that's God's trunk line. Right. Interesting. That's that's what we're taking with us. So to be the storyteller, to sit there in the pub and hang with your friends, like I love it. Like you do these after hour things. You're just at the pub, man, hanging with your friends. Exactly. That's what you're doing. You're spinning the yarn. And the whole thing is, is this, this, you're telling a story. You don't fucking know the facts. None of us know the facts. We're running and gunning, but you're willing to let God give you the epiphany. And I mean, I don't know in the short time I've known you, hasn't your life been woven exactly the way that you'd want it to be woven. Exactly. And that comes from humility. And as, as a very boastful man, but that's more my honor culture and comedians are basically rappers. So, um, but I have been humbled a ton and that humility is saying, Oh, that was wrong. Let's pivot. Let's change. Let's learn more. Oh, let's see where life takes me. Oh, this horrible thing just happened. It's a test. It's going to be great. Like that does allow the fruit to just grow. And so, when people say, humble yourself before the Lord, and you're like, no, see, I know what you're doing. You're doing dogma. You're doing monopoly on God. And that isn't what humble means. Like, to me, humble is like, I might be wrong, but I'm not lying. The gamma says, I might be lying, but I'm not wrong. Mm-hmm. It's the exact inversion where it's like they lie and manipulate and have an agenda because their self-righteousness says that the ends justify the means. And so uh, when you're not in that is the montage I showed earlier. It's like my life, your life, a lot of the bears lives are like so awesome. And it's not because our lives aren't filled with tragedy and problems and pain and trials and humiliation. It's because we accept it as part of the, the, 
the quilters, you know, it's, it's like the loom. The loom is such a epic. When I talk about storytelling, it's all about weaving. I used to be a pretty advanced weaver when I was very young. I had several looms. I used to take weaving classes when I was like seven, eight years old. And the idea of weaving, weaving is an algorithm. So you, 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 um, you get all your yarn or your threads in the, in the loom. It's been a long time since I've woven, but I understood the basic ideas. And there's a mathematic pattern that you like put of the, of the strings and how it's set up. And then you pass the, the shuttle thing. I can't remember what it's called, but you pass it through it. You pull it down, you pass it through it, you pull it down, you pass it through it, you pull it down. And it's all the math is what creates the image. So I was doing, um, you know, real life material based algorithmic programming when I was seven with a loom. And that's one reason why a nation's wealth is so tied to, uh, to fabric. It's so tied to clothing. And everyone knows this. The big families that in this world, the houses, you know, like the, the fashion houses are still called houses. You know, the families are so powerful, you call it a house. Uh, um, and because, uh, what's the name of it? I, my, I, I did so much running this morning, my memory's a little F. But uh, textiles. Textiles are the fundamentals of a society. Uh, Taylor Bear said, I built a loom and it's an amazing tool to use. Yeah, it's incredible to witness. And so the, the storyteller is weaving a story. It's a weaving process where... You, you have the protagonist going back and forth through, through his journey. And the algorithms are the structure of the story. And out of that story, you can see cloth and you can see the pattern. And is it beautiful or not? And your discernment can tell you that. And, that's, uh, and I find that so fascinating. Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. That probably helped you with piano too, didn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Piano is all algorithm too. Just 12 notes you know, 12 moons, and then the 13th, Jesus is me. Right. You know, there's 12 exactly. notes. It's all so perfect. It's like there's 12 notes that you can form in an, basically an infinite pattern with rhythm and movement, the 12 zodiac, and then the 13th is the son of God, which is the, the consciousness that's uh, playing it. So you have your 12 apostles. There is, in my opinion, there's no Paul. It fucks up all the math. So you have your 12, you know, the, hey, everybody, now there's 14. There's no fucking 14, Paul. So you have your 12 notes, and then you have your consciousness, the I am, you know, the, the, and then you get to play it just as Christ could play the heavens, you know, and then, and then you get into what is consciousness? What is a living man and all this? And it, there's so much math to it because math is the one element of science that it actually makes sense like it isn't just story based like there is but see the math is the underlying aspect to all story you know what i mean it's fucking interesting yeah that's brilliant yeah so intense <laughs> and i'm not yeah. i don't hate paul by the way i think what if paul had good intentions what if he was slipped dmt thought he saw jesus made some claims got his head chopped off like things happen everyone's partied who knows? Well, this gets back to the whole like Roman Catholic Church and the whole Spanish the, the the doc like so the Spanish come over to the United States and they're on a hunt and apparently they did that after they went through the Barbary Wars on the African coast. So what Longo is saying is that they came over to to the south part of North America 
and they were looking for the same people. They were they were trying to hunt down and, and kill off their their enemies. Oh, the Phine- very, the Phoenicians. Yeah, it's very fascinating stuff. So it goes along with the Popple Bull stuff that you said because they the Spanish Armada was the extension of the of the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah, dude. How do we look up some of this shit? I, I mean, for me, it's just pattern recognition. When, when the Tigris and Euphrates were described in the Fro Crest and all that, to me, it looks way more like New Mexico. It looks like the, not New Mexico, the state, the Gulf of Mexico. And, and right. that area is so epically fertile that it's either a fractal of Iraq, and Iraq is what happens when you over farm and over forest and pump each other in the butt too much. Or it's, it was originally here. You know, it could be a fractal or it could have been in America. I don't know. Well, I always like to take whatever narrative that they've put the most money into and invert it. <laughs> say it again. I like to take whatever narrative that they've pumped the most money into <laughs> yeah, yeah, and totally. invert it. Yeah. Or, ba- or back engineer every Tom Hanks movie and that will get you to the truth. Right, because right. Like every, every single thing that they're like, they, that they're just pushing, 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 you can kind of go, oh, okay, I know your call sign already. So the new world, they call this the new it world. It was the old world. The new world. Yeah. It's not the new world. Totally. It just, just when you look at some of the antiquitech that has been like, oh, they built this state capital in, you know, three months with, you know, 10 guys and... I'm, uh, you know, the fir- our, I think our first talk, I was talking about the dignity of us and our, our forebearers. I totally think we could build anything at any time. The question is the timing that they told us, the money and the logistics. And they fucking lied to you about the materials. Yeah. They say, oh, well, it was built all of this and this architecture firm from New York. If you notice, all the architecture firms are from New York. And then you go look at the, you try and archive and look at, oh, you know, I mean, this building is a feat. It's a majesty. Well, where's the, where's the architectural drawing plans? They don't ever have plans. They just have elevations. And as, as a builder, there's a huge difference between elevations and plans. And then they'll make up some excuse of like, oh, well, they burned in this fire or, oh, we couldn't archive it. Are you kidding me? You have buildings that are hundreds of years old, architectural marvels. And you're, it's like going to the moon and we don't have the, the telemetry. Yeah. Bullshit. You didn't go to the moon. You didn't build this thing. You had some guys on the side take measurements, draw elevations, and then you pass off elevations to everybody as if – they're architectural plans. They are not. Like, the, there's just so, there's so much to it where, like I was talking to a friend of mine that was from South Carolina. <coughs> His family was like, goes way, way back. They, he was related to Ulysses S. Grant. And his uncles, his great, great uncles were run out of Macon, Georgia, because the story that he's given, he does he actually doesn't know why they're running out of Macon, Georgia, but he was showing me some of the architecture of what what they either built or reclaimed. Dude, it's exceptional. In all this antiquitech that's out there, they all have like this, this kind of calling card. 
the calling card that they have is they have a dome on their buildings. Doesn't matter how big or small the buildings are. And they all have a cistern and they ground everything to the cistern. <coughs> what does that mean? What does ground everything to the cistern mean? So we're told, you know, electricity is a very new thing. And, you know, we have outlets and we have all the electronic doodads and all this other stuff. But from what a lot of what I've seen with the Antiquatech <coughs> yeah. was that they had resistive heating and resistive cooling. And the way they did that was that they used the potential from the, the height of the roof relative to the potential that was in their basement. Mm. So they would have hundreds and hundreds of volts of difference in, in, in potential. That's voltages potential. And I don't know how they did it, but they would essentially make the building a resistive circuit. And so depending on time of year, depending on the ionization in the sky or whatever, you're, you know, as somebody who builds fireplaces and has looked at hundreds of fireplace designs, like all these buildings that they retrofitted all throughout the world to, to be fireplaces for wood, they weren't designed for wood. Literally all your heat goes out of your, uh, of your house with a lot of these old fireplaces. Like I'm looking at your little wood heater out there. That whole box of metal heats up and it acts as a radiator of heat. When you look at some of these, like what they call colonial homes and these like antiquitech homes, there is no radiation of heat. No, it actually makes it colder because when we're looking at uh, fireplaces, it's actually very drafty. If you just put a, a fire in something without um, a lot of iron or something to keep the heat, it actually lowers the it has the exact opposite. It sucks the oxygen out of your house and makes it yeah. cold. Yeah, yes. it's, it's pretty shocking, actually, when you see that. Yeah, I think there might be a, again, this is me speculating, a very simple way to get free energy that if anybody figures out, someone just like buys it off them. Or, I don't know. I think that there's, there's got to be, because if you look at just how much weight is in a cloud, this is why the gravity boys are so full of shit. Not full of shit. I don't, I don't think they're lying. I think that they're just haven't thought it through. You know, people are like, oh, how dare you? My, oh, this one guy said this. I'll just read this. It's all, I promise it's related. But when you're looking at the amount of weight in a cloud, and that's all potential energy. It's all, uh, you know, there's kinetic energy and potential energy. How can you not get power from that? You know, and I think you can. Like when you ask questions like, why can't we? It's like, oh, because you can't. So Cosmic Toolbox, who I, I enjoy on my bitch shoot comment section, says, truthers need to word thoughts on gravity better. Oh, really? Gravity does exist. The cause is what is in question. There is a force we can measure and predict and understand the nature of. No, there isn't. That we, well, in a sense, but not the way he's describing it. That we know is related to mass from experiments. We use the word gravity long before Einstein. Yeah, grave, gravity of a situation just meant seriousness. When we did, when uh, we, before Einstein, when we didn't pretend to know the cause, please stop saying gravity doesn't exist. Do, most people, when they say truthers have to stop saying something, they have no idea what the current science is. This is one of the biggest problems with globe people. I shouldn't say problem. I know a lot of wonderful globe people. They don't know what the current claim is. And if, right. if you really looked into it, you would see how absurd it is. Most people don't know what Einstein claims about gravity. Does anyone know what he claims is the cause of gravity? That mass, like a bowling ball on a trampoline, bends space-time 
And that bend, that bending of space time because of existence is what moves uh, 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 matter from one to another. Now, any science nerds out there want to set up a experiment to show me exactly what space time is and how to bend it? It's total fucking bullshit. So the claim by Einstein is that mass, th this is his claim. And this is why I know it's total bullshit. I don't know what gravity is or like what the effect, what, what the cause of the effect of gravity is. Um, but it's not what they claim. And they claim it's because of mass. They say something that has more density. Density is really what it is. That's why a black hole allegedly has, uh, it's called black because light can't escape it. It's escape velocity is more than 186,000 miles per second. That's all bullshit. Okay. So <clears throat> what they're claiming is like a, a, a black hole this big has so much density of matter that a black hole this big weighs more than the entire earth. And because of that density, there's a escape velocity means how much acceleration you need to break from a gravitational field. This is all science fiction. They've never analyzed a black hole. It's all nonsense. So because I went down all of these roads because I, I wanted a new story. I wanted a religion with science and none of it is real or provable. Einstein's claim about gravity is why, you know, it's not real is you can't possibly prove his claim and it sounds absolutely fucking retarded. So if you have a, a lot of mass, there's something called space-time, which you could only measure if you're outside of space-time. You can't because you're in quote-unquote space and time. Saying space-time like it's one thing is absurd. It's a very similar thing to the Trinity, in my opinion. Mass, space, time, three into one. Sound familiar? This is why I don't like these tricks. So space-time, father-son, you know, these things that, ha that aren't connected. Space and time, you can't measure as one thing. And so mass, like a bowling ball on a trampoline, space-time curves around the mass, and that curve is what draws things to it. So somebody in my comment section said, well, my father, and I don't know if they're lying or not, they could be naive, I don't know, but easy on the aggression cosmic toolbox. You don't even know what Einstein claimed. It's fucking bullshit. So they say, uh, well, when, when my father was measuring blah, 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 and there's a weight at the end of a string, and when they were next to a large mountain, the, the, the weight would move towards the mountain. I'm like, well, that's interesting because any cloud has more mass than the mountain. Oh, how dare you? How dare you, fucking piece of shit? It's like, so why wouldn't it do that with a cloud? Why is the cloud there and not the, oh, well, you fucking piece of shit, you fucking, I'm like, Think about how heavy a cloud is. The amount of weight in a cloud of potential energy. And when it's so high up, that energy is potential but could be kinetic. I think, I have no idea how to do this, but theoretically I think it's possible that you can harness the energy from a cloud simply because it's so far off the ground. Like any rainstorm, in my opinion, would produce more energy than all the oil in the world. But... You know, people just don't do it. And I, I don't know how to do it. And I'm comfortable enough with my $3.50 a gallon that I'm not motivated to look into it. But I think that there is, you know, there is lost tech that I think is very simple. And I think that some of those colonial houses uh, had another form of heat. Yeah. The, so the way I understand it, have you ever built an earth battery? No, I've built a fence. 
So the first beehive, or it wasn't the first, the fourth beehive dome that I built, super adobe dome I built, as I'm laying the barbed wire, you have to lay barbed wire, two rows of barbed wire for every, you know, six inches that you go up. And this is like the lateral adhesion aspect. But when you look at it, it's a big coil. Yeah. And as I was doing it, I was like, huh, you know, if I just attached if I would have just ran some extra line and attached the bottom barbed wire, you know, and then ran some grounding rods and then, you know, put like a little steeple at the top. And this was like 2008. This was before any of the Antiquitech stuff. It's like, I potentially should have, you know, 800, 800 volts of potential available to me just free just because the, the height of the building and, the distance that that, the, the, like, it was like close to a kilometer of barbed wire. So that's a thousand meters. That's 3,000, that's 3,300 feet. 33, um, there it is. Illuminati confirmed, go on. <laughs> and that's only on a 20 foot diameter dome. I was like, you know, that's a tremendous amount of, of ampage if, if I could collect that. Because that's exactly how they do earth batteries in the ground. And Super Adobe's earth above ground. So I had that. And then I started thinking, I was like, you know, all of our structures should power themselves. Like, why are we, why are we bringing power in? Like, just this simple dome with all, these, all this barbed wire in it, that's, that's all. I could connect it all, and that could give me a potential. That could give me a voltage. I think that's all that they were doing because a lot of these buildings were very tall. Like, you know, you would say you have, let's say, 50 feet difference from the spire height to the cistern. The magic that they were doing, which I don't know, I don't know what it is, is they all had cisterns. Now, a lot of people say the cisterns were just for drinking water. But the thing was, is that they would put a conductive element in their cisterns. So yeah, it was for drinking water, but they were permaculturists. They were stacking functions. It didn't only have to be for, for drinking water. I have a trans turn, not a cistern. <laughs> Do you tell what that is? All right, go on. So I'm thinking that there's something with flowing water because I've built these cloud busters that are like these orgone accumulators that you point at, you know, chemtrails and shit. And they they will disappear. You know, it's like Curtis Stone's boiling vinegar. His 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 system's much more uh, easy. But what you do with those is you end up having these like you have these copper tubes that you make it look like a Gatling gun, and you connect them all to an aluminum line, and then you have that line go into running water. And the running water, the more running water, fresh water you have the more powerful your, your cloud buster is. And the cool thing with those is you can point them in directions and they will, whatever direction, it's not like, I haven't done the Curtis Stone thing yet. Apparently that's just above you. But like you can point this in direction and it will diffuse whatever door is in that area. Door being dead orgone energy. So these guys were on to more of like a bioelectricity now that I'm saying it out loud. They had these cisterns that were connected to these underground canals. So the water was constantly moving and freshening itself up. 
And then the buildings themselves would transduce whatever that energy is into either resistive heating or resistive cooling. Yeah. And in, I forget when, when Paris got the moniker of the city of lights, but it was way before quote unquote electricity. Yeah. So, I mean, just think of the potential energy difference between the Eiffel Tower exactly. pinnacle and then all the way down, what's the major, I, I can't pronounce the river there, the Champs-Elysees, whatever that river is, you have this massive amount of water flowing by you. Who knows what conductors are connecting the top to the bottom and then are emitting a, a, a bioelectrical field that any type of resistor, any type of, I like your connection yesterday with filament and firmament. That was yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I've been trying to wrestle. I like I like to wrestle with my notions, even ones that I think, like, how do I know there's a ferment? I've never touched it or been there, blah, blah. One of my main things is a pressurized system can't exist without a container. But then I started thinking, so why does, um, you know, air pressure go down as you go up? Like, is it just naturally going to nothing? And someone wrote that it's because it's getting colder. And so then someone else said, because uh, if you if an, a gas gets colder, it it uh, gets less pressurized. And so and then someone else said, that's why if you heat a container, it explodes because the pressure builds because it's uh, kinetic energy. And so then um, what was the next point? Oh, yeah. Then someone says, but why is it getting colder the closer you get to the sun? Because I think the sun's fairly local. And then I started thinking, what if the earth is the mass like, like what we talked about with uh, when you build a fire, you need something to get hot, you know. And so what if the sun is just volts, like it's electricity in a sense. Yeah. And without, without a resistance, there's no heat. So the exactly. earth is, the, is like the hearth or it's like the rock, the steel, whatever it is that warms up from there. But in between there, there isn't enough matter to heat. And so... The closer to sea level you go, the hotter it gets. And the this is exactly this yeah. is it. So we live on the plane of inertia. Yeah. The plane of inertia is resistance. Yes. Resistance is what gives you and, heat. And you know the measurement of resistance is ohm. Ohm. <laughs> ohm. The home. I know that we're starting to sound a little schizo, but I promise no, there's gravy not. here. There's, there's, this is, this is gravy. This is gravy. This is good stuff. This is weaving. This is yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. This is connected. No, this is this is actually the real science, the ether physics. This is what it is. The yeah. plane of inertia is the plane of inertia, meaning and, resistance. And that's why those old buildings have like six feet of granite or marble, and people don't understand why. It's because there's so much mass. Right. That's power. That's pure power. Precisely. And yeah. one of my first teachers told me this. He goes, mass rules the day. Like we Six, had a conversation. Eight, 285 by pounds. Anyway, go on. <laughs> it makes a difference, dude. I know. It makes a difference. There is, you know, like they always have to hide a lie with some truth, right? So they say gravity depends on mass. Blah, 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 blah. It does well, kind of. No yeah, yeah. There is no gravity. It's electrostatics. Yes. So the electrostatic potential changes with the mass. So as you go up, as you go, the Schauberger pointed this out, you go towards the moon, you go towards the sun, you cool down because there's less and less mass. 
And he said, by the time you would get there, it wouldn't be there. Right, 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 right. Because guess where your consciousness is then? Connect to the earth. Right. It's, it's, it's actually elegantly simple. Denmark Bear just called us hippies. Well, Denmark Bear, as soon as you can get the Somalians out of your shitty little country, then you can talk to us. Anyway, go on, Gardner. Sorry about the Danes. Well, the thing is, like, you know, like a person's going to say, oh, the sun is this, you know, fusion, fission reactor. Hydrogen to helium. And it, yeah, I know. It's like any evidence, science man? They're like, oh, yeah, there's evidence. It's in a Richard Dawkins book. You know, the pervert who just masturbates himself to death. Unbelievable. I actually think the sun that each one of us sees individually, the, the, the personal, the private sun that we see is a reflection of the real sun. And the way the real sun works, it's actually originates in the ground Whoa. and it's reflected off. It's, it's projected up at the true, the true North, which isn't Polaris. Polaris is where the reflection of the sun and the moon that we see is going on. That's like, that's what everything rotates off, off of our reflection. But like Crow has shown is that there's a secondary light source that it's exactly the way a hologram works. You know, the hologram shoots a light up from the bottom of the dome and then does its reflection. And then you have that. So the mass, the, 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 the heat source, as you would say, is actually coming from the earth. That's, that's exactly where, where the, the origin is. And then that's how we, each one of us can have, if we're grounded, we can have the connection to our own personal sun. As we do this stream, is there a way you can watch what I'm about to show? Because it's a six minute, because in the beginning I played Wobbly Bear's montage of 2022 Smith Family uh, the Year of the Beautiful. Kyneton just sent me the original by Benny from, which by the way made me cry, Wobbly Bear, you're literally the greatest. The 2019 one from Benny from Seattle says Ursa Manor 2019 Big Bear and Family. There's some occult shit in here. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but we're about um, the the breaks between. It starts with the fire burning. I, can you watch it as as you're on with me? I'm turning on Rockfin right now. That's where you're at, right? Yeah, I'll uh, I'll put it on the thing, and it's six minutes, and it's very beautiful. And after I want us to talk about it because some of the key frames and wobbly. Uh, went with this theme where it shows a shot of me like dreaming, where it's a shot. This one has me in, uh, and, and I'm the everyman. Don't think this is just about me. This is anybody. So it has me dreaming, dreaming in a hammock. And then it shows where we are as it spins around Polaris and what is coming out of that, that direct connection that comes from when you get authority, which is authenticity, uh, can you watch this now? Do you got it on Rockfin? Yeah, I'm just making sure I'm muting it. I hear somebody at my door. I'm just going to run and go get that real yeah, quick. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, so check this one out, and then we're going to talk about it. This is the original to build a home. And then uh, and you can watch the – where am I here? And you can watch the newest one that Wobbly Bear just made. What is coming out of that that direct connection that comes from – Okay, we're going to have to be waiting for uh, Gardner to come back because he has the rock fin open and now we're dealing with a audio situation. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Gardner, you fucking 
Check this one you out. You self-squirting bastard. Okay, well, Gardner is doing this. Then, uh, and you can watch I'm gonna, the, the, Okay, so for the, until Gardner comes back, we're going to be dealing with this double audio shit. Because Squirts Inside Himself didn't uh, do the math yet. Okay, we're going to have to be waiting for uh, Gardner. Kyneton, hit me with the Super Chats. Rockfin open, and now we're dealing with a audio situation. I think he's trying to harvest energy from this. Gardner, you fucking... <laughs> the audio's looping, Gardner. The audio is looping. <laughs> okay. All right. You. All right. So you want to watch this and then we'll discuss it? Yeah. Uh, have you seen this one yet? I don't know. Okay. Check this out. It's awesome. Because it's more than just memories. It's like there's an instruction hey, to this video. Great, buddy. I can just narrate a little bit. So that's love. So that was the, the spark of love, you know? And I know that people can squirt and get really upset about the two pillars and masculine, feminine, all that. But when you have the masculine, the feminine, when you have love, and then you're about to see the sky moving. Okay, so watch this. And that's the, the scar in the sky, the, the Milky Way. So when it comes to intention, and then we'll talk all about this, I put in that bridge and there was never any water there. And then a river went underneath the bridge. Okay. So that's that. This was a time in my life and Amy's life when shit was getting very trippy. I put in a bridge there and then a river came under the bridge after the intention of the bridge was put there. And so you can call Denmark bear can call us hippies all you want, but that's fucking real.
and then turn to dust is winter. It's like the cycle. Okay. That's Walter. He looks, he looks purple. Actually, it was not that purple. Very good. Yes. Out in the garden where we planted the seeds, there is a tree that's always green. The branches By the cracks of a skin, I climb to the top. I climb the tree to see the world. When the guys came around to blow me down, held on his That's the dreamer right there. It's so archetypal. The sky clock. And then the last shot is love thy neighbor. So it's like, and then I'll, 
maybe after I let you go, because I already played in the beginning, I'll, I'll show the, the one Wobbly Bear just made again. We actually built the house. So, like, it's so trippy to have that, that, that all the, these years documented because that song, To Build a Home, and that music behind it, it's just such an unbelievable song. And then you just watch as it's being built, and then it all goes back to the, the, to the dreamer. You know, I was dreaming it in connection with the direct sky clock, and then it's all just, the resistance is just flourishing. That's why, you know, they say resistance is futile, but persistence is fertile, where it's like resistance is not futile. Resistance is where all the heat comes from, you know? Exactly. Yeah, do you yeah. have any thoughts on that video I just played? I I have seen this, and it's it's so beautiful, man. And it's been a wonderful inspiration in my life. I I had I'd read a lot of of different books about the um, indigenous people of Australia and their dream time and their dream time. They believe they dreamed life into like the, life like life as they knew it was dreamed into existence. And that was very synonymous with what I was learning in Sanskrit with the cosmologies that now make up the Hindu, you know, the quote unquote Hindu faith is like, they're like, we're in the, the weaving web of Indra, like we're in the Maya and we are like participants in consciousness of weaving what it is that we want to see in existence to come forth, you know, and so much of the atomized cosmology that we are given has us separate from our existence and having us think that we don't actually have an influence on our surroundings. But you're this, that six minutes uh, to that song is just, it's proof positive. It's like literal documented proof that you weave your existence. Yeah, Dreamweaver, like that song. Right. Yeah. No, it's it's a fa- it's true. And when you accept that, that's why I try to break people's uh I don't try. It's I I shouldn't I should stop like saying stuff like I'm trying to make people change because that's not healthy. I I I attempt to show a world in which people act more like Christ instead of just kissing statues where you can be a part of it. You know, that's, that's the only reason I go with that theology stuff. I I realize it bothers people and I get detractors and all that and it's damaged people, women, mostly in a gay Jew, but, uh, (laughs) just kidding. (laughs) But, uh, but it's like when you accept that you can be in the position of interacting directly with God and weaving the dreams, it's absolutely incredible. And I think that, People in our history have died to bring you that knowledge and to just throw it away, I think, is uh, is is really disheartening, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, this is why I've fallen in love with the law. And I've told you this in the past is like the law is the most conscious thing I've ever seen because it l- literally lets you know exactly where your spirit is contracting in and contracting out of. Explain. That's interesting. And there's an axiom in law where that you can't claim ignorance. (laughs) (laughs) Ignorance of the law doesn't make it doesn't make it so that the law doesn't, you know, have its sway on you. 
so it's one of those things of like, okay, like in, in reality, you can act like you're a victim. You can live in contradictions and then you, you contract under those that provide those contradictions and you get the resultant from it. Whereas if you live God's law and you live under, under this knowingness that your, your thoughts and your actions directly, I mean, directly mold the environment that's around you. And we all have different capacities. Some people are going to have more of a capacity to do that. Like I told you with looking at your chart, like you're, you're a manifesting generator, like manifesting generators, they fucking, they mold their environment. That's what they do. That's their, that's your function. Other people don't necessarily have that, but they have some capacity to actually create what they're experiencing. And on the very base level, we all can control our subjective reality. So even though our shared objective reality might be, let's say a little bit harder to convert into what we want, our internal self, that's why Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within, within, it's inside. That's your subjective reality. You can make a decision to be in hell or heaven in any moment. It's your decision. Yeah. And this is why prison, this is why prison used to be seen as a blessing and why I like an an Andrew Tate, I think should go to prison, you know, or some of these people, because it wasn't intended to be sadistic. Like I, when people say, why would God hurt me? Why would God throw me into the fire? Why would God do this? If he loves me, imagine someone who's living in hell living in their own prison, but in reality, but they're privately, they're internal. There's a public and a private. So the public is doing, it's a collective consciousness. The private, you're creating a hell for yourself and, and you're stealing and lying and, and selling women and abusing your body and all this stuff. When your internal world matches your external in a jail cell, that can actually be incredibly healing. That's why a lot of people find God in a prison. Because now you're actually in the hell, in the prison that before you were privately in a prison, but now you're publicly in a prison. Now you yearn for freedom, like you or you yearn for beauty. Like if you're in a place with all gray, nothing, silence. You know, modern prison isn't like this. A lot of people will go in and end up more of a criminal. So I don't really have an opinion on that. But the way uh, solitary or prison should have worked is you strip away every all the externals and now you're left with your internal. So now you're out, your external is matching your internal. You're in a gray room alone with nothing but a cement floor. That is when your soul can yearn for God and then beauty and then form. And that actually can be incredibly healing for people. And so that's why this idea that prison is a sadistic thing where it's like, you know, that, that it's a way to, hurt someone. No, it's a way to heal them. But now, you know, execution is, is a way to set people free sometimes where it's like, you're a serial murder rapist of children, like every action and you're showing you can't stop yourself. The best move is to leave this world now, you know? And so that's why it's like to be the benevolent King, you have to see these things as you're always trying to heal your people, even when it appears you're punishing them. Like I get letters all the time where it's like, 
you kicking me out of the chat was the best thing that happened to me. I had to evaluate myself, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, you in a very large way, you're the paternal figure a lot of people haven't ever had. Yeah, where the, the rules are to guide and to help. And so the gamma, the, the, the one who's fighting against it, whose internal world is uglier than the external world. So let's say we have this external world that we're all agreeing upon, this public, that the agreed upon what season it is, how people drive on the roads, what we do for money, what money is. So we have this public thing that we've agreed upon. And our private world is either uglier or more beautiful than that public. And then that's where people are. And so when more and more people's private internal kingdom of God, if you will, is uglier and they're pulling it down, it, it's going to take a while, but it's like barnacles on a ship just trying to pull down the public. And then uh, if, if your internal world is beautiful, symmetrical, great, grateful, love thy neighbor, it pulls up the public. And I've seen the bear community have a profound effect on the public, even if they're not aware of us. Because when enough people are pursuing the good, true, and beautiful, whether it's, you know, they're just saying nice things on the app. This is why I tell people, if more than 50% of Bitchu comments aren't grateful, beautiful, or helpful, I shut them off. Because I'm not going to be, I think there is a 50-50 tipping point. I'm not going to be a part of making the world more ugly. Because that's what that does. When these people go on, oh, disgusting, fat, cock, tranny, fat, fuck. I'm like, no, you're literally, there's a harmony here. And if it goes over 50, you're all, I'm shutting it down. And I really think that that's a thing where every private person, you can't change the world, but you can affect it. And it starts affecting it more and more. And that's why, that's how the kingdom of God could be on this earth is when the barnacles all, you know, I'm not saying to kill the barnacles, but like they either go away or they start elevating. And that is the pursuit of the good, the true, the beautiful, being authentic, accepting your role, love thy neighbor, love thy creator. Like these are things that every religion can agree on. And it's just, it just starts rising at that point, like an airship. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Any 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 property owner knows that you have to you have to kill pests. Yes. You have to you have to sometimes power spray your driveway and get rid of all the mold and all the mildew and whatever. Well, somebody could say, "Oh, you're being violent to the mildew and the mold." <laughs> or, no. You know the, those pests those pests had the the right to live. Eh. No. Oh, you can't handle the mold. You can't. You want to censor the mold? Yeah. Oh, so yeah. so you can't handle it. Oh, echo chamber much? Yeah, like a symphony. Oh, so I can't just make loud fart, farting sounds when you play Beethoven? What? You're 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 scared of me? No, you're a pest, and you got to go. Oh, it might be nice. I'm gonna call the FBI. And so the irony about these gamma males and these trolls and these ugly. People that just want to bring ugliness into the world. It's not that you oppose me. It's that you want to bring ugliness into the world. And so it's like, so the more that happens, the more the public will descend to them and they won't even have these institutions to rely upon. Andrew Tate is a mold spreader of preposterous proportions where you're getting this idea. And I want to talk to you about human sex trade. Do you have a, a hard out that you have to go on? Yep. Okay, so real quick, this is 
What Andrew Tate admit? So some people are like, why do you care? Why are you upset? Because it matters. Because if we normalize this behavior, the entire public goes down like several notches where uh, what you experienced healing victims of human sex trafficking. Um, and by the way, he's way more guilty and way worse than Jeffrey Epstein. And people are like, oh, what are you talking about? Jeffrey Epstein and Prince? No, no. Jeffrey Epstein hired girls as masseuses. And then they would be told, allegedly, to have sex with high-profile people uh, to blackmail them. That's Jeffrey Epstein's entire thing. A lot of them were 16, 17 years old. Uh, um, Andrew Tate has the exact same operation, except he hires them as prostitute cam girls. And he appears to be even more, um, you know, way more women and way more damage. And so here's just a breakdown from a legal man of what Andrew Tate is actually admitting to. It's pimping, it's human sex trafficking, it's everything that the Q-tards claim to be against. Bottom bitch is the one who does the selling. You don't do the selling. The girl has to hear from a girl. And this is where your bottom bitch has to be trained. That's why I said it's so important to have a good first girl. Remember Glaine Maxwell? That was the girl that recruited for Jeffrey Epstein. Almost identical to what he's talking about here. All the people that went to Jeffrey Epstein's island, free. No, they were all human trafficking. When you put all this into context, you have the way he structured his business. One of the ways that he's lured the girls is by having another girl there, identical to what um, Epstein was doing. Oh, it's good. Oh, he's a human trafficker. Oh, it's actually bad. Like, this is problematic. Listen, pay close attention to all the bots. So all the bot, all the Andrew Tate haters, all the Tristan Tate haters. This guy's going down, and I don't mean that, but the case is, he's making the case for them with his own words. And so now the Matrix is going to attack even harder, and they predicted it. And, and, and Andrew told me something back in August that I really took seriously, and I, I, I want to continue thinking this way. He said, if I'm Morpheus, you can be Neo. This... Breaking past that nature, Sam, and getting past that brainwashing, it's all a psyop. <laughs> like, there's a treasure trove of stuff that he's put out there to show that he is probably guilty of the crimes that they're talking about. And all the stuff that he's put out there can be used against him, not taken out of context. So what is he charged with? He's charged with sex trafficking. They got tape for exposing climate change. Exactly. They don't need to traffic women. I use some street pimps. I've known them for a long time. Straight street pimping is completely. In fact, no, it's not completely different. The psychological aspect is the same. So, now I'm not taking things out of context. He's saying the psychological aspect of what he's going to be doing is the exact same psychological aspect of a street pimping. What did they get arrested for? They got arrested back in April for the same bullshit. It's all a lie. They got nothing. Of what we're going to do. The skill I'm going to teach you is exactly the same. I could easily translate mine to a street business and you could easily street pimp with the things I'm going to teach you. Tax is also another important element for controlling your woman. Numbers, I have nothing. And that's why they don't want to leave because they're like, oh, well, he has everything. I need him. I have to stay with him. He has everything. It's important. I'm telling you, it's a very important element, that control. It's a very important element, that control. The girls are like, what the fuck do I need this dude for? And they will leave. You don't have every aspect of control. They don't have any hardcore evidence of anything. They're too smart to let this really happen. And this is extremely important. Because at the beginning, she will need you. But then she won't need you. But you have to keep that 
Fallacy. Keep that dream alive. Fallacy. That's his word. His word. Not taking this out of context. So she's gonna. She'll need you at first. I. I think the government with this video, with just this one video alone, has an excellent foundation for the sex trafficking charge. Okay, so it's not even a debate. And when that guy says, I can be Neo and he can be my Morpheus, he's doing human sex trafficking. He's teaching you how to psychologically break a woman and then transport them around. And the woman will say, oh, I'm getting so, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's breaking the women. And if we accept that, then the legal system will slowly start adopting to the new uglier reality. And that's why I'm going so hard at this guy. It's not because I'm, I'm obsessed or I'm jealous. This is a major fucking fork in the road for society. If we start justifying human sex trafficking to own the left, like that's a serious problem. And so I'd want to talk to you about what you saw in that world when it came to EDM uh, sex trafficking and all that stuff. Yeah, there there's a large uh, contingent of young women that get moved around in the, I guess, the festival, the festival scene. And like he said, like he said, you have to have like, you know, your queen bee that recruits them in. Yeah, Uh, probably one of the most demon possessed people I've ever come in contact with was one of these characters. And she, she, she was, there's very few people I could say, I could ever say I felt evil in like, like real bad intentions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been around murderers. I've been around psychopaths. I've been around some pretty dark folks. She was up there, man. And she was essentially the one that would get her underlings to kind of do the the let's you know whoever the higher ups wanted to have in their harem they would tell her she would get her underlings to like go out there and like you know dance with them and start giving them drugs and stuff like that and then invite them to an after party and you know it's all about status you know at that age status and drugs and um yeah, they the, the her higher ups would get free sex, and then they would just bounce these girls. They would turn them out. That's that's what it's called. They would turn them out after, you know, a season, a festival season. And then I didn't I didn't realize what I was witnessing until a few. I, I was actually one of my best clients. She ran a. Um a clinic in California for abused women, women that were suffering from sexual abuse. And she would come down to defrag in Costa and I would work on her and her family at a week at a time. <laughs> like they were my only clients when she would come down and we would just start passing notes off to each other. And then it was like, we were like, wait a minute, we're talking about the same thing. <laughs> yeah. And then some names came up and it was like, oh my God, this is, this is, cause I never knew the definition of what sex trafficking was. Exactly. Most people don't. Most of the biggest cutards that went nuts about Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell, they have no idea what it even means. 
Yeah, yeah and if I, you, and I if you so define nice. it, you're so like, nice. yeah, not only is Andrew Tate guilty, he, he brags about it and is trying to recruit men to be a part of it for his, his, felony, his felonies. Like, th- this shit will get him in prison for 20, 30 years. You know, his little G's, that, his tater tots that he's recruiting, when you, pro- when you prosecute a criminal enterprise, you're all on the line. So just know that. Anyway, go on. Yeah, they work on the whole principle that misery loves company. So the, the notion is, is you demoralize people, like you get rid of their morals. You make sex like just another thing. It's just like it's, there, there's no consequence to sex whatsoever. And there's definitely no consequence to, you know, sex in its most gratuitous faction, fashion, right? And then the the thing is, these young, naive women, they don't understand how their body internalizes every man that they're ever with. Yeah. There, there is sex magic. There is this thing. Like, I mean, we're all here because of sex. We can't say that sex isn't procreative. There, but there's a there's an energetic thing that occurs when when a woman is just being used as a as a cum receptacle. Yes. They're 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 being turned out it for I you know you you said it the other day, but I know it for a fact. These men are 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 inseminating them, but they're using their youth as the battery for their vanity. Yes. And so it's a really disgusting thing because working on these women, they become hollow. They're literally hollowed out. They they don't they can't pair bond. They get they they get hyper 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 paranoid and uh, neurotic. And it's it's such a shame because so many of them are beautiful. You know, so many of them are 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 women that if they had any morality or were given morality from their family when they were growing up that they would have, I shouldn't say would have, like they'll never get there, but um, let's just say that they would be like the prime genetic stock. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the grabbers eat that. A real quick, Boo Bunny Bear said, they feed off the girl's horror. No, that's one of the biggest false notions that people are not understanding. Virginia Roberts, all these people that were with Epstein, they if you would ask them while it was happening, they would say, oh, Jeffrey Epstein's done so much for me. It's just such a wonderful opportunity. This is the new age. This is the future. I'm in control of my body. I get to meet interesting people. They they are not in horror. And that's this is so true. Yeah, I I can I can completely corroborate that they really think. This is the new, these guys, these pimps, they figured out the new pimp game. Yeah. They figured out how to not pay their hookers. Yes. Yeah, they they pay them with false virtue. Exactly. It's a lot like what churchians feed off of. You're this special boy, you're going to heaven, you can beat anyone to death with the Bible, give us money, you know? It's the same thing with the whores. They turn them out and they say... You're, you know more than them. You live, you go on private jets, you get to wear fancy stuff, you, you get to meet interesting people. These men, you're in control of these men. A lot of these women were molested, so they want to be sexually in control. And as it's happening, they're howling them out. And so that's why when people say, oh, but Big Bear, don't you know? Andrew Tate, these girls, they say he's great. I'm like, no shit. That's what pimps do. This is not new. 
They say, oh, he's been, he's such a good daddy to me. He's, it, it's, a, it's consensual. Women can't consent as much as men. The idea that everything's consent is satanic. So if a nine-year-old consents to sex, is that okay? Like, no. You can consent to going away from uh, the truth. And the truth is women are not supposed to have 500 sex partners in exchange for MDMA. Like, that isn't what is, is how they're supposed... Women are not supposed to be exploited on webcams for money. It's not... It, it damages them permanently. And so as men, so the, what the, the, the irony of, of Andrew Tate is he's turning men into the, uh, into cucks. They're not protecting women. They're taking women and they're putting them in harm. And then from that, they're extracting money and calling it manly. And so I'm not having that. And so, and I know that my consciousness and my logos and my words do affect the realm and I will fucking beat this little bastard verbally and with my earned influence until he's in a fucking Romanian prison. And I called this eight months ago and now he's there and we're just going to keep hammering and hammering. He bragged about getting my Instagram taken down because he mass flagged it because I was revealing that he was going to be arrested for human sex trafficking. Well, Andrew, I'm not a whore. I'm not one of your hoes. You don't intimidate me and I know what a man's job is. And now you're going to meet a guy in your jail cell named Vlad the Impaler who also knows exactly how to handle a fucking pimp. Yeah, it, it's a really rough karma. I, I, don't, I don't envy these people that have been doing this to women because I, I have to say, there's a part of my consciousness that doesn't believe in victimhood. Yeah, me too. But then there's the other side of me that's trying to understand, you know, naivety because I've had to, I've had to... I've really had to become an adult and let go of my naivety. And there's an innocence in a lot of people that are naive. You know, you project onto the world as you are, not as it is. Yeah, 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 so, exactly. Exactly. And so I, I'm still, I haven't come to a conclusion with that yet. But a lot of these young women that I would work on were really sweet. Like they were not... They knew not what they were doing. Sins of the father, though. That's that. That's why women. This idea that women can make their own decisions on the same realm as men is the hatred of women because they can't. And anyone that knows women knows that they can, they are more hijackable. That's why marketing is aimed at women and children because they 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 are more loving. That women have. I'll put it this way, so that you don't think I'm bashing women. Women have more love energy than men. Like they're more capable of love, nurturing. You know, they have a tremendous amount of beauty and love in them. That's uh, that I, like Amy has more love in her than I do. So I'm not demeaning women by what I'm about to say. It's just like a child has a tremendous amount of beauty and trust in them. So I'm not demeaning, but it is the man's responsibility because a man is a little colder to, and to be able to say, no, you stay away from this woman. That's why. The father has to protect the woman. The husband has to protect the woman. The brother has to protect the woman. The son has to protect the woman. Because they will be lured by pan flutes way easier than anybody else. And, that's, and it doesn't matter how knowledgeable they are. They, they have a love in them that can be more manipulated. That's why they ate the fucking apple. It's a fractal. It's like the woman is, like, is way more likely to feel an energy or an emotion or feel a trust 
and be led down a bad path. It was Adam that allowed his woman to eat the apple. That's what it is. Because all women can be really manipulated because they're just not as sentient to the way the world works as men. Now they're more connected to the earth. They're more connected to life. They have more love in their heart, a lot of them. And so... Do you mind if I interject? Yeah, of course. Yeah, cut me off anytime you want. I just keep fucking talking. So women... A heterosexual woman is the negative pole in in polarity. So negative and positive is just a difference in direction. Negative means the the direction is inward. Positive means the direction is outward. Right. So when I massage people, I'm a polarity therapist. So what I'm gauging is depending on the, the being that's there, depending on their sex, depending on the different areas of their body, there should be a very specific current that's running through their body. Without fail, a heterosexual woman, her energy is always pulling in. So the whole joke that all the bears have about, you know, the Gardenians squirting inside of themselves. Indeed. There is an actual squirt. There's no squirt. It's energetic. Women are always pulling energy in. I see you smiling. I see you wanting to make a joke. The the thing is, so you is energy that, squirt inside yourself. Anyway, go on. <laughs> so there's a collapsing of the field. There's an <clears throat> implosion energy. When you say women have more love, they have implosion. Men have explosion. Right. In nature, implosion carries forty times the charge, <clears throat> given the same surface area. So you could have a big man next to a small woman and she's carrying more potential energy because she's implosive. That's why they have the babies. But being the negative pole, guess what? You have to have discernment. You have to have the capacity to not allow everything in because guess what? Your nature is to allow things in. That's why when you're saying the prime stock, see, this this is the real tragedy of the human sex world. Some of the best women are the ones most easily turned into whores and damaged. It's kind of like me. I'm not to brag, but I'm an extremely masculine, positive polarity that's always going out. I was tricked into constantly having sex with people that didn't matter. That's that damaged me on a, on a level. So it's like not as much as women, but it, it's it's the trick. So someone like me that you can now see is a strong provider, high morality, works hard great, you know, dad, all this stuff. I'm the type of guy that could be lured into promiscuity, immorality, all that. And it's the same with women. Like some of these women are so feminine that they can be pulled into this world where they're just accepting any dicks or squirts. And then their field is just like been riddled with holes. It's like their, their psyche, their projected energy is like fucking Swiss cheese, like an Uzi sprayed it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the in the the, uh, I mean, across the board, some of these women I got to know because I would know them over years, in this circuit, and I would see them as they would age, they would get turned out, and they yeah. would become like they would become the new managers and shit like that. But the thing that the thing that I noticed amongst as I would get to know them, they all had very weak fathers. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Sins of the father. That's what that means. Yep. Yeah, it's not like a, not not a single one of their fathers, even if the father was still in their life, 
none of their fathers had ever taught them morality. Yeah, and it's it's similar with gay men. Like, I have never met a gay man in my life that either wasn't molested or didn't have an absent or terribly weak father. I've never met a single gay man that's like, yeah, you know, dad's a really good guy. Nothing ever happened to me. And now I'm obsessed with jamming my cock in a guy's ass. It really is like the, uh, the, uh, that, that lack of father, uh, care can have, you know, can turn women in like women without a moral guide. They always end up on someone's fucking private jet, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't believe gays are born gay. No, it's no gays are not born. gay. I think you're born with more of a potential to be, to go different directions, but I don't think anyone's born to be revolted by the opposite sex. I'll put it that way. Let's say, let's talk in the negative. Like the gay men that are like, uh, find women disgusting. And they're like, Oh God, no one's born like that. But you know, I think people are born with a different ability of adaption but I think uh, every gay man I've ever met has some kind of fucking weird trauma or issue with their dad, you know? Massively. And the energy in their body doesn't get above their third chakra. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it always loops down, both in men and women. So, yeah, so that's your experience with these women. So these women, after they go down that road, have you seen any of them heal? Because I always like to you know, think that I, everyone I, can heal, but you've never seen I haven't, I haven't been in that industry for four years. And literally, when I met my wife, I, I, was, I described to her a couple of the things I had seen, and I hadn't been vibing with it. And then, like, I would build for these festivals. I would no longer go to them. And then I was like, ah. And then I knew some of the players, and I met some of the – as soon as I met the higher-ups – and I saw, and I saw it. I extracted myself from it. They're so, all grabbers, right? <laughs> yes, all of them. That's yeah, why they found just, they found Israeli passports in the Tate compound, allegedly. It does not surprise me. Yeah, because there's no extradition for sex crimes out of Israel. Because some of these some of these people I already met were Israeli. Yeah, because there are laws there. That's why people go, oh, yeah, but look at the pornos. Look at the pornos. Yeah, Israeli. You know, there's certain areas where it's legal to commit human sex trafficking crimes, and Israel is one of those places. Uh, so is Sri Lanka, but that's been kind of overthrown, so good luck with that one. That's where Arthur C. Clarke, the uh, science fiction writer who created the nonsense notion of satellites, he was a vicious little pedophile, you know, seriously, allegedly, I'm trying to follow Sharia law where I can't say anything I can't prove without getting lashes about other people. But Arthur C. Clarke was wanted by the authorities in Western countries for pedophilia. So he went to Sri Lanka where he could live amongst boys. So people would visit Arthur C. Clarke. And he would, and this is, by the way, the, the, the father of science, pedophile, like a gradually aggressive pedophile. And he was just surrounded by boy toys. And so... Sri Lanka has been so corrupt for so long. And I think that's what leads to the fall of nation states, even though a nation and a state aren't the same thing. But I, I don't see, I don't think Israel is uh, doing too good these days when it comes to uh, their stability. Yeah. I wonder what's happening since so much of their population got the jab and they're gay. <laughs> you know, it's, true. it's like, I don't know, man, that is not a place I'd want to be. Uh, and I don't have hatred for them. I think that, you know, you reap what you sow. 
Kyneton, hit us with the Super Chats. We're at almost two and a half hours, and I don't want to uh, ignore people's fascinating questions. Of course, I could talk about Jews and sex trafficking till the cows come home, but... <laughs> what, do, you, do you think that that evil just keeps shifting groups because... You know, the Catholics, there's been some allegations of some Arab Muslim sex trafficking and all that. Uh, they, so- get ba- they get bound to the plane of inertia. Yes. So the, way, the way I feel it, and, you know, I, ha- I have to explain it the way I experience it. So I apologize if I use too many terms that deal with feeling, but that's the way I experience it. I respect feelings. It is, I knew... After my first encounter with a psychopath, I knew everything in science that was describing a black hole was just there to describe the phenomenon of a psychopath. That's such a good point. And it was really a redirect to people's consciousness because people are experiencing black holes every day. And so this was a way to redirect people's ire without them knowing it. It's like a subconscious black magic thing. So when you work on somebody that is, uh, let's just say, uh, unknowing dupe, like an innocent dupe. Yeah. If they're amassing a ton of contradictions, their field gets smaller and their body starts to have failures in certain ways. And women will store the emotional trauma that they can't, their conscious mind can't you know, look at, they'll store it in areas of their body to be experienced through touch. Mm. So that happens all the time. Then you have the people that know what they're doing is wrong. Like it's not in their highest interest. And then that's when you start to have some real physical uh, breakages. That's when things really start to go down. Then you have people that know what they're doing is wrong and do not care. Oddly enough, their bodies are really like, their bodies can handle it, but they have next to no soul energy. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you're around them, they have no presence, none. And then you have the people that know what they're doing is wrong and enjoy it. They're doing it for the sake of doing it. Yes. They're doing it for the sake of the subversion. And then that's when you're around the black hole energy. And when you're around them, you can tell they're a portal for demonic energy because you'll see demons. You'll see, well, let me, excuse me. I had seen demons. I had, I had actually seen the, and felt the other presences because they are literally not there. You know, I love your depiction that you would do where, you know, like it's not necessarily Ira because Ira has an innocence, but you've you've depicted this character a few times where they they get dupers delight and they're like, hee hee. Yeah. But they are like so excited that somebody sees them for who they really are. So they start to give you more and more and more. Dude, that would happen all the time. Where it's like, man, I don't want to I don't want to hear this. I don't want to know this. I don't yeah. want to I don't want to have this this experience right now. I don't want to lose this whale of a client, <laughs> you know. But, you know, you have to make the that's part of the plane of inertia. It's like you have to do what's right without fear of consequences. Yeah, that was so, Gavin McGinnis. When Gavin McGinnis attempted 
to get me to be joyous that he was deceiving his audience, that's when I spilled the beans. Because right. I know what's at stake. He's not the first fucking psychopath I've ever met. I, I, I know all kinds of psychopaths. When he was like, it's a prank, don't spill the beans. I'm like, oh, you want me to think you're clever. You want me to soothe you and tell you how great this is, that you're tricking everyone. Fuck you. I've noticed that the most damage from the vaccines, and this goes with the categories that you've just said, where people that knew better and did it anyway have been had the most damage. Yeah. So the people that had the least damage, all right, so the completely naive that trusted the science, I've known a lot of them that are fine. The people that knew better and oh, some of them still have damage, but th- th- it's less trauma because the vaccine is a traumatic event. There's trauma in it. There's physical trauma. The people that are like, man, I know it's bad, but I got a job. Those people have by far, according to my experience, the highest rate of myocarditis, all that shit. And then the people that are just sick and just don't give, they're like that black hole, low damage, but also like low soul, you know? I've, I've met people that like they register as soulless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, let's read some of these. All right, hey, BB Gardner, this is from Run Boston Bear. Thank you, very generous. I know many are at different places with this question. Where do we live? Watch Austin Witsit's recent stream on YouTube titled Schooling Globers, episode three, and start at 118. It's truly a gravy overload. He's honest, seeking truth, and is a bear. Witsit gets a bear. Have a blessed day. Nice. A steak says, could it be the Egyptians build the biggest energy house, ended up burning the land and getting devoured by the sea? They did worship the sun and they did build a large, quote unquote, building, not a tomb. Ira voice. Remember, I might be rambling. Oh, that's from before. Um, Yeah. I mean, if you look at a pyramid, if you look at all the mass on the bottom and less mass up there and how it's aligned with the sun. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some energy going on there. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, the pyramids themselves. So uh, I think a lot of what you see above ground is exactly the same thing below ground. As so it looks like so a di- it looks so like it looks like a it looks like a diamond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think and, so too. And then the mass, you know, they've now found these these spiral caverns. I forget in which which um, pyramid in the Giza plateau, but they've now they were like wondering what what are these things up here, and they ended up being doors. And those doors show exactly what my teacher, uh, Joseph Davidovitz, had ex- explained back in the 70s. Was like for a geopolymer to cure, you would want to heat it from the inside. And then they used black casing stones on the outside to heat it from the outside. So you had all this thermal mass. And that's how they could build the, these, these pyramids so immense so quickly, is that they would heat them up. You know, so there's literally these spirals of, of caves going, not caves. Uh, I should just call it, um, I'll call it a flu vent because that's what it is. That go up and around, up and around, up and around. And these structures in and of themselves would be a resonant, a resonant structure. They had the math where they were building resonant structures. And to resonate, like whenever you have a resonant structure, this, this you could, this is going to sound far out. You could teleport, you could, you could pull energy in, you could, you know, 
push energy out. You could do all these things that are very sci-fi that we're, we're told you do with all these other means. They were doing it through mass. Do you think they burned, do you think they made the Sahara Desert by just squirting too much? My teacher said so. I think so. Because that should be such an epically lush part of the world. And like, why would they, why would there be, because there, there would have to be a pretty large population to, to, to do that with the pyramids. Like, why would they do that in a place with no life? It just, I think they might have burnt it. Um, yeah, well, that's why, I mean, he explained the reason why the pyramids get smaller and smaller and smaller as you get towards our time is because the forest got further, further and further away. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Brant says, Yo, BB, you're talking about weaving stories and how it's like an algorithm. Google image search loom PC game by LucasArts. They have a godlike character that weaves on a master loom that controls the story of reality. You will dig this. Yeah, I know exactly how that feels. I mean, I've been a, I've been a weaver. It really is. Vi- That's why when you look at uh, spiders and, you know, you look at spiders and you're like, there's definitely something going on there. Uh, weaving reality is something that it combines the modern tech with ancient, you know. That's why I think uh, uh, great kings would have these giant tapestries on their walls because it would show the majesty they the majesty they had with the art of weaving reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the it's the archetype of Indra. I don't know who that is. It's the it's the goddess. It's the it's the great weaver in the sky. Is that the eight arm bitch? I forget how many arms, you know, all the hint, like all these ancient deities, they all have all this stuff going on. But yeah, Indra's the sustainer, the weaver. I love that. All right. The Phoenician gravy is fascinating. What do you think about a stream with Gardner and Dylan Sicaccio to get into the Phoenician story more? Thanks for the stream. Do you know Dylan? I like Dylan. I only know him through Chance Garten. I, I've talked to him a few times just in passing on, on Chance's Vibrant. But I don't know him directly. We have a few of his books. I, I have, I take homage with a few things that he brings up. I'm not, like, I, I like the whole notion of, of finding origin of things and everything like that. I just don't see the world as homogenous as he does. You guys would have a great conversation about that. All right, Huntington says, Gardner, do you have any insights on the spinning globe or wood or, or world as a concept maybe relating to money or materialism, materialism or something similar? That sounds very anti-Semitic. Are you referring to a dreidel by any chance? Anyway, go on, Gardner. <laughs> well, I don't know exactly what his question is. What is the world, the difference between the world and the earth? Where He's talking about the, the idea of the spinning oh. globe, the inertia of the spin keeps it on its axis. Is that a metaphor? Since so much of what we've been quote unquote lied about is a metaphor for the spiritual realm, like the black hole, the big bang, evolution and the womb, you know, stuff that I've broken down in the past where there has to be truth to it or we wouldn't resonate with it. Do you well, think that this, gets back to Dylan Sikosio's work, spirit world, world, like you world it. Yeah. 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 So keeping it on its access, it's a complete black magic thing to be Catholic to, to actually collapse, to, to be the universal one, it's always depicted as a sphere. So what is I it? think that's, that was sort of like the marker in our timeline where it was like, okay, the world is Catholic. It, it's become, it's, it's been, you know, collapsed from, from 
this infinity it's been collapsed into a marble essentially Whoa. and this is to confine the consciousness Whoa. it's literally to confine the consciousness the best prison is a prison that nobody knows that they're in a hundred percent yeah wow and the the the, the marble that that the the universal collapsing into a sphere it it limits a person's capacity to know up up from down and if you don't know the vertical axis you can never know the true cross because like the when the heart fully expands to the horizon immediately the vertical element of your connection to your creator occurs. And that's the real cross. That's the real axis mundi. But you don't experience that if you're, if you're conceptually locked into this spheroid, <laughs> this oblong, you know, pear shape, whatever. Dude, I've had, I'm, I'm, the gravy is flowing right now. Uh, I just had a crazy, uh, like a really intense thought that all of astronomy that's been mainstream that we've been taught is just black magic reality where it's like, because the notion of a star, which each of us, it could be a metaphor for our divinity, our soul, whatever. So they say it expands into a red giant and then collapses into a white dwarf. I'm not, I swear to God, that's what it's called. And then it, it just keeps shrinking into a black hole. So it's almost like there's an expansion and the collapse is what makes like the psychopath. It's like how it extinguishes the light. And I think that they're telling you in astrology, we're projecting it out there, but what they're telling you is what happens inside you. So every, so that there is actually some real utility and function to astronomy. People want to know about the occult, Satanism, black magic. Yeah. Take any college astronomy class. What they're teaching you is the collapsed soul, you know, mm-hmm. Definitely. Dude, pure gravy about the collapse. They make the universe so far and so big in a very weird way. They invert it by saying, okay, it's infinite. And so now you feel atomized. Yeah. When truth, you're in a, you being in a, you being an infinite eternal being are in a finite realm. Yes. Like ten, the temporal realm is finite. It's not real. This is the Indra. This is the whole getting back to Indra weaving the Maya. That's what this is. We're in the temporal right now. What we started talking about weaving the story, the storyteller, what we take with us, our continuity, which is eternal. That eternal continuity takes the story of this life into eternity. It doesn't take the matter. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The matter is, the matter before we know it is gone. That's why this is the plane of inertia. This is where everything comes, slows down, has resistance, has resistance to have a story. You, you have the story, you weave the story that you want, and hopefully you learn and you get better, and then your continuity takes that on to the next plane of inertia or the next existence. And where is that? I have no idea. Me neither. 
All right, Jack of Money Trades Bear says, Hey, B, I was listening to your stream from yesterday, and when you said you were a legend, I thought about that as a legend on a map. That's what it means. A legend, all a legend is, and I am the definition of a legend, is it just tells you the directions. And then you, I'm not the map, I'm not the terrain, I'm the legend. So legend, all it does is remind you where north is, <laughs> you know? It's like, on this map, this is, because the, 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 the wizards hate legends because they want to keep you in a state because all they can do is change the map. They can't change the woven reality we're in. So Vox was talking about this last night where when they redefine words that they do all this stuff, they're just fucking with a map. So you walk off a cliff or something, but it's still just a map. The legend reorients you to the actual terrain. And that's what I do professionally. All right. Float, Float Universe said, I had to pull over and super chat laughing so hard. I almost crashed laughing at your triple impression on, quite frankly, from mid-December. You bring me so much joy. Thanks for calling out the frauds. God bless the big bear. You are enlightened. Yeah, the legend calls out the frauds. The legend shows you what the fraud is trying to make you think you're somewhere you're not. So that every so that even the authentic, naive person that me and uh, Gardner were just talking about whether or not they're victims or not. But that person is following a false premise. So their life is a cascade of tragedy when it doesn't have to be. And the legend just reorients. That's all legend does. And that's my job. Thoughts? No, it's perfect. You know, in that realm of dealing with so many of these, these innocent women you know, I, I was a legend to them because I just kept telling them, don't give it up. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. You know, like that was the only thing I could tell them in the capacity that I was, you know, I was like, you got to stop giving it up so easy, man. You got to treat. And I, I, you know, that's why I resonated with you when I first started hearing you because you were t- telling dudes to, you know, stop, stop squirting. You know, I I had been doing that with women, telling them like, "Hey, look, your womb is like the most valuable thing on this planet. Like, you you cannot treat it haphazardly. Like, you don't understand the energetics of what's going on." Is that mind blowing? That any womb is infinitely more value than a private G six jet, and they don't realize it. They That's what no I mean. Idea. They have they have no orientation to reality at all. They're like. But how do I get on that jet with Prada and drugs and money and I can get a, a, a house in Ibiza? And I'm like, the, just your womb is more valuable than all of that. Like not even close. It's like multi- everything I just described is multiplying it by zero. It's like, yeah, it can be fun if you're crushing and you're dream weaving and whatnot. But just a womb is – and they just throw it away. They just piss it away. They're like, who needs it? Just let – any dirty J fucking pound away and then give me some Coke. It's like unbelievable when you see it. It's unbelievable. Oh, I, oh, I forgot. I forgot to tell you this element. I mean, there's obviously a tremendous amount of conditioning that goes in to damage a person so much. Yeah. But the one thing that the one attribute that I noticed of conditioning that they all shared was that they were all considered themselves environmentalists. Whoa. Well, environmentalism is an inversion, too, because it's saying that your surroundings are more important than you. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not in the center. What's in the center is the goddamn panda bear or some bullshit that they make up. <laughs> All right. Matt, Matt says, keep crushing. Thanks. Yeah. And I would 
I would gut a panda bear from head to toe just to, you know, save one womb. You know, in the fucking panda, I would wear a panda's head on my head as a joke just to like one womb. I would kill all the fucking pandas that exist in the world. Which is zero. <laughs> right, right. I, well, I think they were made in a lab, but. All right, Alma the Calmer said, has been several months since I've been able to listen. I'm catching up on streams, and oh boy, have you been entirely and easily eviscerating Andrew Tate. Yeah, and it's not because I hate Andrew Tate. Like, people, gammas, trolls, don't project. It's because I love you, you know, as I could love strangers. I mean, I love my family differently. It's a different word. But, like, um, I, I, I don't want our public consciousness to lower to the point where it's alpha, red pill, right wing, to literally fucking turn out and sell women for money. I won't allow that. You know, and if it happens, I'll sleep like a baby knowing that I fought with every tool. I, you know, most people wouldn't do it just after he took down their Instagram page. Oh, you know, it, it's such a pain in the ass to start another Instagram. It's like, what? no, it isn't. All right, Steven says... Um, Tip for Dune Coon, a personal favorite. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great, uh, a great racial term. Uh, Mortloaf Bear, fifteen eighty four total gravy. Hang in there, dirt buckets. Uh, well, I haven't checked the chat. I'm sure he may be dead. Um, Cozy Phantom Bear, this is to pay King James Gay away posthumously for the bedazzled poofy poopy pants and the frilly BJ collar. It will, that's five bucks. Ain't gonna get you there, pal. All right, Half Jap Bear says, Hey, BB, Half Jap Bear here. One booster, please. When people mention Pearl Harbor to me, I tell them with a straight face that both my grandparents died that tragic day. My Jap grandpa flew his plane into my American Gramps Navy boat, killing them both instantly, and there is no remains discovered because sharks ate the bodies because it won't fit the narrative crush on. Yeah, I mean, that's very funny, Half Jap Bear, and well done because there was never any Japanese bodies recovered from Pearl Harbor. That is a mainstream fact if anyone wants to look it up. And then the last one. I had one, no idea. I didn't know that. Zero. That's mainstream. Wow. It, yeah, there was no bodies discovered. All the footage was from the number one Hollywood director at the time. His name is John Ford. And the planes don't even look like Japanese zeros. So if you want to go back with a little sleuthing, I'm not going to make a claim what did happen. You know, it, it appears that. Roosevelt knew they were coming. There was an oil embargo. They moved some carriers, blah, 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 blah. But the one fact that I can't seem to let go is not one Japanese body was recovered in Pearl Harbor. Okay. Oh, and then, yeah. Spielberg made a movie, Empire of the Sun. We know Spielberg. Like, he's always trying to, like, you know, give us, give us the truth about things. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, Spielberg is one hell of a black magician. That's it. I think that's why they said King Solomon had the demons working for him. Once you crack the code on the black magicians, they can work for you. That's why I refer to my Jews, because mm -hmm. they do tell you really profound shit. You just have to realize that they are typically using a like unbelievably confusing metaphor, and you have to figure it out. Okay, and then the last one here. Lord Bear says, for four plus years, you always follow through with your words. Stream each day, always up to five to milk goats. How do you stay so consistent and focused? How do you beat temptation and do what you have to? Well, I mean, uh, beat temptation as, as in what? I mean, my temptation, 
I mean, because I don't know, I'm just a very mission oriented person. I always have been. Even back in my Hollywood days when I was more of a hedonist, I had a work ethic that outpaced all those fucking grabbers. They love me for it. I just get up and I do my job, you know, because that's really how you get credibility in this world from even your wife. It's like one reason why Amy's so dedicated to me is she looks at me every day and knows I'm an honest, hardworking guy who loves her. And so many grabbers don't get that. They lie and sneak and steal and they're full of shit. And the one person who definitely knows all of it is their wife. And that's why they're all fucking divorced. Yeah. God says, when I went on tour with BB, I had to step up my work game and I'm a workaholic. Yeah, it's, I never am not work. I've, I've had to train myself to have downtime because I know spiritually it's important to, to just be present. You know, not to sound hippy-dippy Denmark, but there are times in the day when you should just be present and not do anything. I've had to make myself do that because that's not natural for me at all. Thoughts, Gardner? Yeah. yeah, you're living your dharma. That's why you have so much energy. Explain, what does that mean? Oh, my duty, dharma my duty, is, yeah. Well, I don't look at it as duty because duty infers that it's imposed upon you. Good point. Um, no, like you know you're in the groove. You know you're in love, per se, when there's more energy. You know you're not in the groove or you're out of love when there's less energy. Love always provides more energy. And it's obvious that you love your community and you love you love what you've created. Dude, and every so- time we talk, gravy flows. I just had this thought. Nuclear fusion is supposedly creates infinitely more energy than nuclear fission. Now, when you throw away that any of that is quote unquote real and has anything to do with the sun... Think about what they're actually telling you, that love, the, the, the combining of elements releases way more energy than the division of the atom. And when you look at, yeah, and that is so true. That's why I don't throw away science because I just see it as more of a personal metaphor where Mm -hmm. to divide, you can't extract energy, like a civil war, the war between the masculine and the feminine, like divide and conquer to divide, blah, blah, blah. But to combine is an infinite source of love, which is the sun. The sun, they say, is nuclear fusion. What is a family? A nuclear family. The word, I know, I have to like watch myself that I don't see patterns where they don't exist, but this seems pretty fucking intentional. The atom bomb, Adam, A-D-A-M, the first man. Mm. So the nuclear being divided, the family being destroyed creates a certain energy, but the combination creates the unlimited energy love from the sun that creates all life and there's so much gravy in that shit it just people have have, uh they've taken this knowledge and they have made it material and the material is wrong it's provably bullshit Mm -hmm. you know two atoms the single atom atom like when you combine the, the the two hydrogen for the helium helios you know think of it in myth don't think of it as albert einstein and his fucking but the helio, helium, just the rising gas, the release, two hydrogen, hydra, helio, sun. Yes. And with that, we were talking earlier about the, the black hole, right? Yeah, so exactly. So to divide and conquer, the most isolated thing literally devours everything else away from forever. Yeah. How do you beat the black hole in science? 
yeah, because uh, they tell you to they tell you to avoid it. <laughs> yeah, just avoid the black holes. Just exile. Right. That's what we do on Bertari Times. No black holes. All right, here's some more super chats. Let's get excited. These are from Unauthorized. Thank you. Concrete Grizzly. Hey, Big Bear, King of Bertaria. Field, fields of the Realm. Can I be verified as Concrete Grizzly? Welcome, indeed. Um, Lefty Bear, stay cool. Owen, you as well. JT, I've been listening to your streams the last couple months. Finally decided to stop freeloading. Smart move. Freeloading makes you gay. Minnow, thanks, Connington. Indeed, 3X Combat Bear. So let... Us not talk falsely now. The hour is getting late. Exactly. Uh, all right. Christopher, you said you like the Kagan water. Would you please explain why it gives you a buzz? Uh, the Kagan water is essentially it's hydrolyzed water, you know, so you're getting. They don't give you the gas like I have hydrolyzers where you get the gas and that's Brown's gas, but. Their claim is because they're using platinum as the as the plates that actually do the separation of the hydrogen and oxygen. Because the platinum is a more rarefied precious metal, you get micro hydrogen clusters. So you get a very high concentration of what's known as protium, which is light hydrogen. And as far as we know it, Protium is one of these substances that when it, when it enters our physiology, it highly orders our physiology. It makes it more coherent. And so therefore that expresses as more energy, more electricity, more bioelectricity. Whenever I'm talking in this vein, whenever I say energy, it refers to bioelectricity. And all health has to do with the level of bioelectricity that you have available in your body, physical health. Usually if you have something that's a detriment, it's because it's, it's lowering the capacity of the bioelectrical field in a specific area. So this water is extremely um, rich with the microhydrogen clusters. And then you can also on the machine adjust alkalinity on it. So even though I know our blood pH stays the same, if you put like, you know, if you eat a bunch of oranges, like I was saying earlier, uh, like that will initially, that will like completely change my blood chemistry. Or if I eat, if I go keto, that will change my blood chemistry. Um, What's occurring is that I'm switching polarities in the body, which acts as a clean out. And this water, you can do that with this water. And because it's not touching any plastic, it's not going to pick up any BPAs. It's not going to actually extract anything from a container. And the same thing with hydrogen clusters, like people that buy hydrogen-rich water in the store, all the hydrogen has escaped the, the, the water. <laughs> it only lasts in the water for a very short period of time. That's it. Have you ever drank in water directly out of a moving uh, spring? It's fucking epic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's one at Ursa Rio that, I mean, that we're just like drinking right out of, and we just felt amazing. Yeah, definitely. The, that charge is perfect water. What about how dare you? Is how dare you? If that gets in the body... <laughs> If that gets in the body, then your bioelectricity goes down a lot. Yes. All right. And then the final round of Super Chats here. Coddington? Coddington? Man, your, man, your duty. Uh, yeah, that's fascinating. When you, look at the, when you look at the world as like energy, 
And it's it's interesting. Like the the material matches the the non-material. Where the more coherent your life is, the more bioenergy you have. Exactly. Like let your yes mean yes, your no mean no. Yeah. Yeah, you're a liquid crystal then. Did I get that guy's wall chat on UA? Oh, and he said throwing dollars like a strip club. Yeah, I decided not to read that because I didn't want to become a whore. But yeah, in case anyone wants to throw money at me, uh, entropy streamed out live slash app slash on Benjamin Comedy. Make it rain. Make it rain like I'm an intellectual prostitute. You give me money and I drop gravy on you. And how dare you, Coddington? All right, Rockfin. I, I tagged your TikTok. I thought it was, my TikTok just got, got deleted. I don't even think I have a TikTok. Uh, TikTok has been very hard on me. The Chinese apparently are not into old round eye trying to get the youth to procreate. I tagged you. All right. Uh, for the libertarian gravy, anytime, Ryan. Uh, Brayden says, cheers, folks. Few shekels for the flow. Know your voice is appreciated. Anytime. Much respect. And then Laura says, love, love watching you every day. Owen, while I am at work as a private caregiver, Monday through Friday, I drive to the homes of four different elder souls. What I do is an honor and a privilege. I find you insightful, hilarious, and you tickle those ivories. Thanks for the comic relief and gravy as I do my part to love others. Where you have Topher on the screen, he is literally on fire. A props. Yeah, everybody loves the Gardner streams. Everybody loves the Gardner streams. Paying the gay away for Gardner because he's massaged so many men in his life. The bill is pretty huge. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is true <laughs> I've done a, my family used to massage each other too I relate to that we used to always massage each other's feet and we had this chart where it showed where each organ was on the foot yeah yeah it's still like in my family my daughter knows she knows her massage breathing she knows exactly when to drop in she'll tell me exactly what's going on she's two and a half yeah so what's your way of repelling energy like gay energy like honestly it's like because I've noticed that um, if you're in contact with a lot of people, there does start to be this soup that swirls around you. And I've been in that situation in my past. Do you have a method where you don't absorb people's energy when you're like in physical contact with them? Yeah, it's, it's directly related to me interacting, building with the earth. So you know how I build, you know, super adobe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you discharge? Like I literally have my hands in clay and dirt all the time. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, because have you ever felt that like strangers building up inside you? Like there's all these like energies? Because when I used to – Yeah. Before I moved to Costa Rica, I would get sick after three massages in a day. Like I I would get violently ill. And I didn't know – like people talked about grounding and I didn't really know what it was. And then when I first started building my first home and I was actually had my feet in the dirt all day, when I would do massage, I noticed I never got sick. And then I, then I learned polarity therapy a couple of years later. And then what I understood was the loop current. I always talk about a loop current. In any, in any circuit, you have your neutral, your, your hot, and, and your ground. And so that's what... that's. I'm, I'm sensitive to that now. So the other day I worked on somebody that had really bad scoliosis and I forgot to ground out. Like I literally forgot to ground out. And within, two, within 12 hours, I had scoliosis. Did someone just said clay the gay away? <laughs> <laughs> that really works. Like I, I, I have this thing called Topher's Earthbag Fat Camp. 
And it's literally like come ground out and like lose some pounds. By dude, moving pounds, you'll lose some pounds. Dude, I just had some more gravy insights. When I used to tour a lot, I would be exposed to so many people. Like after shows, I would shake everyone's hand, hug people, carry people around. It was all very physical. And the amount of energy that would be aimed at me was nuts. And the way I grounded was alcohol. And this is interesting thinking about this because now I don't have that problem because I'm always in nature. Like right now, when I go to the Bertari Festival, hugging, high-fiving, we'll have no problem. Because I, th- if it is grounding, that's fascinating because now I don't. Back in the day, I would get so exhausted or so like, I can't explain it. It would just be like so much, so many people that if I drank enough alcohol, it would feel fine because my vibe my state of mind would lower where it, where it would be acceptable. And that's why I had my drinking was never a quote unquote problem. Like it, it was other people because they would like drink to escape or drink to be themselves or whatever. Mine was very utility when I was around a fuckload of people. I would, and I wasn't around earth or nature. I would drink to feel like I wasn't getting pulled in every direction and it would actually work. It was like utility. And so when I don't have that experience, I don't feel the need to drink. You know, mm-hmm. isn't that fucking interesting? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. People, city people never go barefoot in grass. No, and they also don't consume food or, or like milk or anything that comes from their land. Having a well that goes directly to the aquifer right under where I'm standing and having food that comes from our labor has a profound spiritual effect on me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right, I so- noticed that the only time I had ever gone to Manhattan was within three or four hours of being in Manhattan. My feet cramped, like completely. And it was really cool because we were there. My friend was having a, a she was a, a wedding dress designer. And they were had their, whatever the the model week was there. And so her boyfriend at the time was my best friend. So we went up there and we were both yoga instructors and massage therapists. We get up there, our feet turned into like these curled up knobs. And I had the instant knowingness. I was like, ah, all the subways and all the electrical things that they have running under us here, there's no way we can ground. So we ended up going to, to Central Park and running barefoot in Central Park for a few hours just to get get the ground current back in, you know, the loop current occurring again. Because it makes them insane. Manhattan, and man, if you're in Manhattan too long, like you literally become insane. That's what I think Tree Huggers was all about. I think it was all about tapping into a grounding rod. Exactly. And I know Denmark, Bear, like a guy named Ricky just said that's retarded, LOL. Just FYI, Ricky, I've never met anyone who goes by Ricky that doesn't have Down syndrome. My name is Ricky. Your name is Richard. You can go by Rich, Rick, Richard, Ricardo. Ricky, Ricky means you have a propeller on your head and you are in a bus that's very short. All right, Unauthorized just said, thank you, BB, for creating the good, true, and beautiful fractal. Anytime. Thanks for subscribing to Unauthorized. Okay, we've done three hours, Gardner. Any final thoughts? This stream has been packed with gravy. Dick? Yeah, you don't want to call yourself Dick either. No. (laughs) Dick's a whole can, different uh, thing. Can, can I tell people I got a podcast? Yeah. Tell the people. Woo-hoo! And Connington, be sure to link his podcast link in the description wherever you put this. 
Kind yeah, of. and the bears have the bears have been awesome. Um, it's the Bio Charisma podcast. Uh, we're just doing uh, one podcast a week. I've had some pretty cool guests. I had Tom Barnett, Dr. Tom Cowan, uh, Joe Van Eekirk. I got some really great guests coming up. I'm going to have you on eventually. Um, but I want to do a live stream with you. I think the first time I live stream, I, I would like to do that with you if you're up for it. I only do live streams. <laughs> I kind of like I like the flow of consciousness, you know, um, but my podcast is a cosmology podcast, like uh, all these crushers that I know and want to get to know. I really want the bi- their big picture view of things. And uh, of course, there's always like tangential stuff that we uh, talk about. But um, yeah, it's on my my website is Topher HQ. T-O-P-H-U-R-H-Q.com. Oh, it's E-R. Oh, no, E-R. No, My bad. I'm, I'm, I might as well be a Ricky. <laughs> yeah, it's T-O-P-H-E-R-H-Q.com. And uh, my podcast is on all the podcast providers out there. Why did I think it was and, you? Yeah. <laughs> like, what? You don't spell Christopher with a fucking U. Am I retarded? No, no, like, you're Ricky? thinking that I, I'm not going to say it out loud right now because then I, I, I might get blasted. But it, you're saying it for a very relevant reason. Um, and we have a Telegram thing. It's at the same name. It's BioCharisma. I'm using BioCharisma because that was my original podcast name. And I just like the BioCharisma. It's something, it's a moniker that I, I just like. And I feel like I embody that. And charisma is so, good. Uh, what's that? Charisma is good. It means you're vibing. Yeah, man. And uh, yeah, so that's what's going on. And we're going to be bringing a bunch of different educational things to the market. I'm looking at all of our little things and some actual other things. But um, yeah, check check us out on Telegram and wherever you can get your podcasts. And um, also, you can also reach me on um, Instagram. I'm still doing Instagram here and there. So And the Bertari Times app. Yeah, I'm I'm Topher on the Baritaria Times app. Um, by the way, what is my bear name? There's been so many thrown around that you have, it's only a choice you can make. <laughs> no, because I asked you what I the first letter I wrote to you. I said uh, that uh, can I be verified as domesteading bear? Then you're domesteading bear. Okay, but then then there was discussion on changing it to arc bear and it's whatever you bear. want you can change your bear name it just has to come from you like when all the other little guys were running around saying your squirts inside himself bear that's not a valid bear name that was just some fun the some fun the guys were having yeah ricky yeah, retardo it, it, yeah, and exactly. it's inaccurate <laughs> yeah you don't actually like, uh, squirt yeah. it's an energy loop I, I get it but it's just really funny it is really funny cyborg bear quick says this is to answer lord bear's question this is a great Temptations are habitual and environmental. Stay out of trouble longer, cause less trouble. Avoid the black holes. How do I stay without temptation? I avoid the black holes. I don't, I'm never around women that aren't my wife. I don't go to bars. I don't uh, get on Andrew Tate's private planes. And when you're not in that uh, world, you'd be surprised. That's why I tell people to stop when they're like, oh, I can't stop beating off. I go, stop watching porn and see what happens. Because if you don't watch porn, the first thing you'll notice is you don't want to beat off as much. And then from there, it's a next, 
like the porn you're watching is overstimulating your body into th- it's like imagine you're constantly smelling chocolate that's being like sprayed in your face like if you stay away from the stimuli you'd be surprised how much you don't want to beat off like quitting beating off isn't nearly as hard as people think as long as you stop stop you know staring at porn your natural body sure every couple of weeks you might like be like how do i get rid of this boner for a little while but eventually you'll be like wow i really don't have that um habitual fucking crazy feeling like i used to have and it's the same with everything when it comes to addiction in life like stay away from the people that bring you down that road like if you got a guy that always has coke on him and you're wondering how to stop doing coke avoid that guy you know cuz that guy it's it's always the first step to the next step to the next step. It's like, you know, the three beer guy can easily become the 12 beer guy. And that's the guy that ends up in jail. It's the first step. Like for me, when I was first stopping uh, uh, a lot of bad habits, I would say, don't do shots on the road with people you don't know. That was my first step because that was always the first thing that would happen that would take me down a road where I'm like naked in a trailer park or something. You know, it's like, that first shot is like consent. Boom, I'm down for anything. You know, and if you avoid that step, your whole life changes. So then it's like, oh, you can have a beer, no shots. Because a shot is almost like, I'm ready to go wherever the fuck this night takes me, especially with people you don't know and trust. And so if you have beers with your openers or people you know in the city, that lowers your uh, chaos tremendously. And then from that point, You have a different vantage point where you're like, man, that behavior was really crazy. And it's the same with every single thing in life. You just, the first thing, don't watch porn. If you don't watch porn, if you get in your head that they're like being human trafficked, you can quit porn. And then from there, that that entire desire starts going down. Uh, Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? No, those are great. Those are great. That's a great field guide. Yeah, it's, that's why I'm a legend. I'm literally a legend. It's like, this is north, this is south, this is east. Where so there's a, there, the world's filled with consent markers. If you, if you have a girlfriend and you do a shot with a girl that you just met that is looking at you like that, that's first base. It's not kissing. That's, that's the first step. And if you avoid that, you don't get... If, it's so much less likely that someone makes a fidelity mistake sober. It's so much less likely that they make a fidelity mistake when they're like sitting around thinking, well, I know it'd be really good for my wife if I just talk to that retard for three hours and then fucking make out with her in an alley. Like you don't think that way unless you consent. And liquor is worse than beer and wine. And, and then you, from there, you just start recorrecting your entire life until I'm never alone with a woman that is, I wouldn't even share a cab with a woman that isn't my wife. You know, I can be in groups, I can be friends with women, but at no point am I like, man, I really just want to hang out with Stacy. She's so cool. Like I'm to the point where nothing, like you just avoid all that shit. And I don't even have the desire, you know? Mm-hmm. Very smart. Yeah, yeah. Just avoid the markers because you're not the one who would cheat. You're not the one who would drive a car three states being chased by cops. You're not the one who gets naked and screams, look at me now, dad, I'll fight anybody in this bar. It's you after 15 drinks. So how do you get to 15? You get there from three. How do you get to three? From one shot. You just keep going back until you avoid the linchpin that sets off the entire fucking evening. All right, final super chats. Gardner, spill the beans. 
Anmoya of Gravy Sources. Theoria Apophases, the bald tattoo guy, has been great. What are your other sources? Uh, Theoria Apophasis, Ken Wheeler, he's awesome. Uh, like I was saying earlier in the stream, I've been digging on uh, Dr. Walter, excuse me, Dr. Narco Longo. Um, I've read a bunch of books from a bunch of people. I always tell people dive into um, Callum Coates' work on Victor Schauberger. It's much better than the writings from Victor Schauberger specifically. Um, you know, there's so many fields of interest that I, that I have. If you're going to get into, um, I have to say my teacher, uh, Joseph Davidovitz is excellent. If you want to learn, uh, geopolymer and building theory, um, you know, learning, you got, obviously if you're here, you know, the, the rhetoric, there's no one beats big bear on that. Um, I really like Vox's work, like his, his historic knowledge. I appreciate, um, I mean, you would have to narrow that question down. There's so, there's so many different people that I'm, I'm just standing on the shoulders of giants because there's, there's so much knowledge out there. And Captain America says, thought you might find this funny. Gavin McGinnis latest episode is tired entitled crystal. He is innocent. Um, Here's the thing. He's not because he everything I've criticized him for and everything the woke left criticizes him for, he's admitted to. This is the thing I don't think a lot of quote unquote truthers get or people skeptical of the media. They say, yes, I groomed and had sex with 16 and 17 year olds, but it was always of age. What he's being accused of is being a fucking creep and grooming young girls for weird black eye, black hole sex in hotel rooms. That's what he's been accused of. He admitted it and then justified it, which means he's not innocent and he's guilty. It's like me of being racist. Like, I don't see, I don't think I'm better than a black guy simply for being white. I just think that being white and black is different. That's it. Mm -hmm. Which is the definite, I'm a sexist according to their definition. I think men and women are different biologically. I don't think women can do what men do. And what men can do, what women do, as well as the other. So I'm not ashamed. Like, what I've been accused of, I, like, I've been accused of being a paramilitary leader, which isn't true. I've been accused of being a white supremacist, which isn't true. I've been accused of hating Jews, which isn't true. But according to their definition, I am an anti-Semite because I'm against porn and privatized central banking. So it's like, he did do what people say. Same with Andrew Tate. He brags about doing the crime he's accused of. There is no jury. You know, it's like, that's, that, that's in the year of discernment, we can land this plane. That's, the, that's a fundamental I don't think people are getting. When someone tells you who they are and what they did, it doesn't need to be proven at that point. They're telling you. Right. You know, it's like when they say you did this and you say, yeah, definitely, but I did it because of this reason. You can't then say they're innocent. I'm innocent of being trans. I'm innocent of being a drug addict. I'm innocent of being kicked out of the house by my wife. Like those accusations I am innocent of. I'm not innocent of being sexist. I, I think you're crazy if you're not sexist. If you think a fucking five foot five girl is going to make a great cop 
and a guy's going to breastfeed a baby, I think you're fucking mentally ill. And so if you want to call me sexist, I'm going to say guilty as charged. All right. So I think that's uh, any final thoughts. Yeah. Like this is the whole thing with discernment is that you have to have your grammar, your logic and your rhetoric, you know, and a lot of people don't have their grammar correct. So they jump to incorrect rhetoric because they have no logic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know, so that's critical for being right. Like, you know, that's probably where everybody should start if they want to know, if they want to have the capacity to really understand their environment is look into the trivium and the quadrivium. Totally. And then understand the trivium and the quadrivium were always measured against your own senses. That was part of the equation. And then that's what made you right. It's the three, four, five triangle. So that's really the best place to start with any of this is like get the, the proper grammar of the situation, but then also give the leeway to the storyteller, you know, let the storyteller get the theme of what the storyteller is telling you, especially if you know that the storyteller's intentions are truth. Yes. Because their grammar might not be, you know, precisely perfect, but the theme, the the push, the gist of what they're trying to tell you will lead you to the proper grammar and the logic and the rhetoric eventually. Well, that's what Aristotle said in rhetoric is rhetoric points you at truth. Right. So that's like the main that's what being a legend is. It's like it's not dialectic. It's not the like exact truth per se, but it, it, you, it harnesses emotion using triggers and memories and all these things, the story, the, the, the hero's journey is some people like to say, or whatever story you're weaving and it points you there. So when you say something rhetorical, the fact checkers can break it apart and go, ah, but it's pointing at truth. And that's the rhetoric is really what fuels everything. It's not the dialectic. You can say a factually accurate thing and no one gives a fuck. All right, last final things. Hope destroys black holes. Nice, Porter Stout. Eric says, tell Gardner to talk to Dr. Shiva. Do you know Shiva? Shiva's yep. great. He's great, dude. You I, guys I get along. Lo- I definitely would like to talk to him. I've come across his work in the past, just a few things. But after your interview with him, I would love to talk to him. Yeah, that guy crushes. And then Rumble says, Owen, I'm new to the Bear family. You have tru- truly inspired me. To be the change this world deserves. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. Anytime. And this has been the great Christopher Gardner. Go subscribe to wherever he has those podcasts. The links will be in the description wherever Coddington gets around to uploading these. I know he's very busy putting it all on red again. Um, So that's going to be it. All right. Thanks for coming, man. I'm landing the plane. My pleasure. It was great to see you. You too. All right. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye-bye. All right. That was a great Chris Gardner. I have to go. Uh, George gets it. Um, that was wonderful. Thanks Gardner for coming. I'm so glad he's doing his own podcast. They've been excellent so far. Thanks. Owen Tover. Yeah. And make sure you subscribe to app.bertariatimes.com. It's $15 a year for the best social media app on the internet. You're going to go there and you're going to, if, if hope beats black holes, you're going to get hope at the Bertari times app. Thousands of people that are focused on the good, the true, the beautiful, a hill to build on, not a hill to die on, a hill to grow on, you know, all that stuff. Um, and go there, subscribe, like be a part of the resistance to, you know, the Walmart descent of this fucking world, you know. 
And I hope I also explained why I've been going so hard at Tate. It's because I don't want that normalized. And just like the quote-unquote right-wing went at Epstein, now the right-wing is justifying Tate, and the left-wing is going at Tate. And before it was the left-wing justifying Epstein. I challenge you guys, as a legend of this community, to find your moral compass, and it doesn't matter what side of the aisle it's coming from, sex trafficking is bad. It's not about owning the left or owning the right or owning Trump or owning blah, blah, blah. Just be good. And if you'd like to super chat me, you can send support directly to P.O. Box 490, Sandpoint, Idaho, 83864, unauthorized.tv. Subscribe to all the old stuff, all the old uh, episodes and my specials and everything. Um, entropystream.live slash app slash Benjamin Comedy to super chat. All right, guys, be fruitful, multiply, don't be fruity and boy, guy.